This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, what's good? Welcome to another episode of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm your fill-in host, not Andrew Hustler-Patterson, but Brandon Rewicki here with you guys today. Super jacked to be here. Matt Leibel is going to be filling in, meanwhile, on the chair for Monday's show. And then Huss is going to be back. He's taking some well-deserved vacay time, but he'll be back with you guys on Tuesday. Michael Remus is still here, though. He's going to make sure everything's up and running. He's joining me for a really, really big show today to wrap up the week. I mean, the expansion draft is just around the corner and protection lists are coming up soon. So we'll get into that. Plus, of course, the debate that's ripping this entire city apart. Uh, A couple other moves across the NHL and then the Open Championship as well. Plus, Ryan Kennedy from the Hockey News will stop by to get us ready for the NHL draft. And Scott Cullen will keep the hockey talk going as well. Big shout out quickly to the Winnipeg Sports Talk family of sponsors, Royal Sports, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, where Huss is uh, chilling out this weekend, as well as Cool Bet Canada. Let's bring in the brains behind the operation right now. Michael Remus is here with me today. Remo, I hear you got some lunch and you're ready to go now. So uh, how's everything going? Yeah, feeling great, Brandon. Uh, thank you for coming and taking the time to fill in. Uh, this is awesome. Shout out to everyone in chat. Uh, you can just t- type a big hello. Happy Friday. And yeah, I mean, this is the deadline where you're like little more than 24 hours. I believe it's tomorrow at four central time where the test is over. Pencils down. Hand in your expansion protect list. Protect list. I don't think we'll be hearing about those until Monday. But teams are scrambling. We had a trade yesterday with Colorado. Uh, you know, make sure you're... Teams are going to try really hard, Brandon, not to lose a good player. And I think we saw this last time where teams were giving away two players to protect one player, and it did not work. And this time, instead of you know giving away two to Seattle, they're saying, hey, you know what, we'll just pay guys not to play with us in the case of Florida buying out Yandel or Minnesota buying out two guys, and we'll have 15 million dead cap space for two years in two years. And then um, Colorado trading away Ryan Graves. I think that trade actually benefits both teams. So uh, I do like that move. Uh, could have been a target for the Jets. I saw Marat had him in the athletic as a target. But you know what? This is fun time. Um, you know, Jets are going to lose a player, probably a player that you like. But we will wait and see. And the debate goes on. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm fascinated to see if there are any side deals or, or how many of them are going to be with Seattle to protect and, and not allow a certain player to be uh, picked by the Kraken, you know, Elliot Friedman on his 31 Thoughts podcast actually said that apparently the asking price right now to protect a player on your roster starts with a first and a third round pick. So, I mean, the price is just through the roof right now. I, I don't I mean, if that's the case, I mean, obviously the Jets aren't going to pay that much to protect anybody that could be uh, selected from them. But I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if we see any team across the NHL no matter how valuable that asset is um, protected with a first and a third round pick. Um, I mean, Hey, <laughs> there's, there's a debate to be ahead here in the city, not about the first and the third round pick, but just who's going to be up for grabs. Um, you're going to have to show me, I, I want to be able to see the chat here because 
I was listening to the episode yesterday and the chat and the Winnipeg Sports Talk fans turned on you immediately the second the Stanley DeMello debate kicked into high gear again. So I'm a little nervous to even like unleash my actual opinion on this. Um, but you released a poll yesterday, right? That had the um, the results of fans picking either DeMello or Stanley, right? I, I put it up again. I have the poll. It's ready to go. One last time, guys. Who are the Jets protecting? Stanley. I think it, it honestly might be a moot point because Appleton seems to be the play. There are a lot of defensemen available, um, I think, who are more experienced than Logan Stanley, who've played bigger minutes. Uh, you know, Mark Giordano's a name being floated around. Shane Gossespierre. Um, Troy Stetcher, I've seen. You know, there's a lot of solid D, but... I'm glad that you're here, Brandon, because Hustler and I couldn't seem to agree yesterday. He's been on the Stanley train for a while, and I was saying, guys, like Dylan DeMello, he's, you know, he's number one pair D. You saw what the team looked like without him. He made Morrissey a much better player. Like, are you protecting a first pair D or a third pair D? Which, or you know, which one would you rather protect? I think when you put it like that, you're going to say, I'm going to take the better player. Like, well, what if? The, you know, hey, this uh, third pair D, he's six foot seven. You know who else is six foot seven or six foot nine, actually? Hall of Famer, Zidane Chara. What if this guy turns into Hall of Famer? I think that could be a couple. If that did happen, I think that's pretty slim chance. That could be a couple years down the road. And I, you look at the way the contracts are set up. They got Shafley, Wheeler, Hellbuck, Demello. Um, you know, all three more. You know, good for three more years. That's your window. Three more years. Who's going to help you win this year more? Well, I think it's the guy who's the first pair deep, making $3 million for three more years. So I think that's the guy you protect. But again, we're kind of arguing about this, but I do think Appleton is the play. I know. That's the funniest part. We're going to spend a lot of this show, and, and you guys have spent, I mean, a, a ton of time on this in previous shows, talking about DeMello Stanley, DeMello Stanley. But yeah. to me, the easy pick is actually Mason Appleton because there's not going to be, I mean, Philly with either JVR or Jake Voracek. Um, you know, Pittsburgh potentially with Zucker. There's a couple other teams where there's some decent players available up front. But, I mean, Mason Appleton at, what is it, 900K? I, I just don't see how Seattle passes up the opportunity to take him. And they are, are probably able to find a, a solid defenseman or two throughout the rest of the expansion draft. So the um, the debate to me is almost mm-hmm. a moot point, but it's still fun to have. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I, I would lean, and you touched on it there, I, I would lean towards picking Dylan DeMello. I think it's a little bit closer than maybe the pro DeMello crowd makes it out to be, just because, and, and the potential, you know, we, we kind of joke about it, but the potential has to be discussed, right? And it's a legitimate thing because, you know, he just finished his rookie season, although he is, you know, 21, 22 years old. Um, and it was an extremely sheltered minutes, actually the most sheltered across the entire NHL this past season. But there is the chance he takes another step. I mean, you can't just completely exclude that from the conversation. Logan Stanley could take another leap. Maybe he's just one of these late bloomers. And by next season, he's, you know, a borderline top four defenseman. I don't know how likely it is, but it's still a possibility. And, you know, I've I've made the mistake in the past. And I think, you know, a lot of the analytics crowd probably makes the same mistake too. But, you know, I thought Brandon Tanev was a borderline NHLer after his first season. I didn't think there was a whole lot there. And then he works on his game, and now he's at the point where I think he's a really effective third-line player. Um, Andrew Kopp is another example, a guy that proved last season he can play on a second line. Uh, ben Sherratt's another example, right, just here in Winnipeg. And there's a ton across the NHL. So, 
you know, there is the chance still that Logan Stanley could be, I think maybe a realistic ceiling would be a second pair defenseman and, and maybe Neil Pionk's partner. But, you know, having said all that still, I just, I don't know how you push everything Dylan DeMello has done over the past two seasons completely aside just to protect somebody based on potential, because we know what Dylan DeMello is, right? Dylan DeMello is a top four defenseman. Dylan DeMello, whether it's Josh Morrissey or Logan Stanley, whoever he plays with suddenly appears to play a lot better, right? That's that's his big skill, it seems like. Whoever gets put beside him is playing up to their potential. So that's why I would lean towards Dylan DeMello. But I would say this. There is one scenario for me where exposing Dylan DeMello and having him picked actually makes sense from the Jets' perspective. And... and it's, it's kind of a guess here. We don't totally know this. But to me, if, you, if you're if you Kevin off and you know that there's a defenseman out there that's a right-hand shot that is an improvement over Dylan DeMello and can play beside Josh Morrissey and, and you're targeting them either in trade or free agency, then to me it makes sense to potentially lose Dylan DeMello because you would be bringing his replacement in. It's a dicey as hell proposition because there's no guarantee you pull that off. But that scenario would make sense to me. Other than that, though, I just I don't know if I take the risk. Um, fortunately, though, you and me both agree that I think Mason Appleton is going to be the guy mm. selected. Um, but there's another scenario that we should talk about, too, because, you know, there may be a chance that a certain Winnipeg Jets forward gets dealt either now, soon, in a couple of weeks, right? Because Andrew Kopp has our rights and is one year away from free agency. Yeah, I saw Murat tweeting about this, and we spoke with him earlier this week. He's an RFA. We know what happened last time with the negotiations. He went to arbitration. He wasn't happy about it. He had a career year. Now, I mean, he's been a third-line forward. He's kind of moved up and down, but I think it's pretty clear, you know, he's kind of a middle six. Prefer, You know, on a strong team, he's a, he's a very solid third-line. He plays PK, play all, plays all positions. Um, what's Andrew Kopp's, you know, next contract going to be in? You know, are the Jets better off selling high and maybe trying to keep Appleton because it seems like they're, I don't want to say interchangeable, but he would be a good replacement. But then you got to see if you trade cop before the protected list uh, lists are in, I mean, then you have to protect the next guy, you know, another defenseman. So um, I'm not sure, but, you know, maybe you, you know, we have seen players who go to arbitration in the past that are overheard clients like uh, what Ryan Johansson was one of them. You know, more more often than not, those guys do get moved eventually. So I, you know, I'm a big fan of Andrew Kopp. He's came on this program, great guy. Um, he's you know he's done a, done a lot for the team, but I mean his value with his point total, it's at an all time high. Yeah. And I think if you're playing like a third line role with him, you know you got to try to find that maybe for a cheaper guy rather than a guy who's making what like close to five, is he gonna get five million dollar deal this year? It's at least four. Yeah, right? at, least, at least four. four. Yeah. Uh, it depends on on how long it goes. Tell yeah, like Andrew Cobb's a beauty. I, I, I to me, it's not even a discussion about his game or anything, right? Yeah. And, and to be honest, the team could use more Andrew Cobb's guys that are defensively responsible and everything like that. But you're right; like you have to at some point as an organization decide, you know, what's of more value to us down the road. Is it going to be you know Andrew Cobb or is it going to be I don't know a second, second and a fourth? And you can kind of either replenish the prospect pool or use those assets in a trade. It's it's a discussion that, I mean, they've obviously have had over the past little while. For me, at least, there's two scenarios that I would go down this. I would have no problem if the Jets 
sign Andrew Cobb to a, I don't know, three, four year deal. And he's in the fold for long term. And you know what? If you lose Mason Appleton, that's the uh, the price of doing business with the Kraken coming in. But if he's only willing to sign a one year deal, which if I'm Andrew Cobb, that's probably what I try to do because I'm so close to free agency. But if he only wants to sign the one year deal, to me, you have to trade him because he's going to be gone after this season. And then you lose both him and Mason Appleton in the span of a couple of months for absolutely nothing. So that's the that's the real decision that that Chevy's going to have to make here. Um, I I do think we see Andrew Cobb get traded. I, I just I don't know if Kevin Chivaldev wants to deal with overcharge anymore. And I, I wonder too, like you know, if any upcoming draft prospects have Kurt Overhart as their agent, like does Chevy just shy away from drafting guys like that anymore? Because it's like. To, to lose two guys from the same agent, I, I, that's pretty unprecedented. I just wonder if you don't want to deal with Kurt Overhart anymore if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff. Yeah, the other guy, um, in case anyone forgot, it was Jacob Truba, you know, who had the whole, you know, press release dreaming to be a top line, first line, or sorry, top pair, uh, right-handed, right shot D on the right side. I'll never forget that press release. I think in... in uh, you know, in Jets history when he demanded the trade. I mean, he got paid. I don't know if he's kind of fallen down the depth right now that Adam Fox has emerged as a Norris Trophy winner. But I don't think that you could shy. I remember in baseball, there were teams that, um, you know, wouldn't negotiate with Scott Boris. I mean, he's a big agent who would do stuff like that too. I think you got to be open to everyone. But, I mean, if he's having clients that yet consistently are at odds with management, then maybe it is something you do. You know, maybe you just factor it into your decision making. But I think every every player is uh, definitely unique. Uh, we've ha- have had a lot of um, questions in chat. This one was interesting to me, and I did consider this before, Brandon. It was Owen Y. He said, "Serious question: If the Jets exposed Morrissey, what do you think the chances are the Kraken select him? His contract has been listed as one of the worst value contracts in the league." And I kind of considered, you know, exposing Morrissey, but I think the Jets are a loyal organization. He signed here long term. He's invested in the community. Uh, I think he's, at, while he had a down season, um, I'm willing to discount this past season, as I've said before. Uh, it was a weird season for everyone, just with the protocols and, um, you know, everything that went on. Um, I think it's possible he can bounce back, but that is, I mean, you look at his contract, Brand, it is a long, a long time for him. I wonder if they would select him. Mm, I'm not sure, but I don't think I don't think the yeah. Jets are gonna. I don't. Th- I think the Jets are invested in him, and I think I don't think they're they would expose him. I don't yeah, know like what Morrissey, you think. Morrissey and Wheeler, we we've heard that from fans, right? Where you know, I, I don't think Seattle. I definitely don't think Seattle would pick Blake Wheeler if he waived his his no movement and all that. But again, a moot point because the Jets aren't going to ask him to. I don't think Seattle would take Josh Morrissey. But I mean, if you were the Jets and you got to the point that you were going to expose him. Wouldn't you just trade him? Because I think he still has a lot of value around the NHL. You know what I mean? Like you could get some assets for him instead of just losing the cap hit for nothing. But I I guess the big thing with Morrissey for me is just that I think the team hasn't helped him out at all the past couple of seasons. Right? Like his his defensive partners, he's played we know he's played well with Dylan DeMello, but he's been asked to carry Nathan Bolyu, uh Sammy Niku at times, Tucker Pullman as well. There's like four defensemen on the planet that can play top pair minutes with basically anybody, right? Like there's the Headmans and, you know, the OCs and the McCars and, and Fox and, you know, maybe a couple others. But Josh Morrissey just isn't that guy and he needs a decent amount of support beside him. So 
I, I think I think we'll still see some good hockey from Josh Morrissey. I don't know if he's going to maybe live up to the contract that he signed, but I think if you get him a solid partner, and, and even if he played, you know, with Dylan DeMello for a full season, you know, this is kind of the I guess the one thing too when we talk about the Jets defense that makes it so tricky on on how to improve it moving forward here. But wouldn't you agree, Remo, that on a on a championship team, Morrissey DeMello would be a really good second pair? Yes, I, I would agree that they would be a, a good second pair, and that's why they need to go. They need to get a a, a top guy, and I saw Murat writing the Athletic, a bunch of guys, you know, that the Jets could target. You know, some of them being, uh, I think, one of them, Mark Giordano was interesting. We saw Alex Edler becoming a free agent. Now those aren't those are kind of past their prime guys, but they're an option. One thing I want to raise about the defense. So let's say the Kraken does take Appleton, and the Jets D prospects are you know Hainala, Sandberg. And Stanley, you think the Jets are going to go in and play three young defensemen, rookies, in the lineup? I think it's a situation where you have too many young guys. You need to trade one of them and bring in an established guy because we think, Brand, you would agree, the Jets need a top D, and I think two other D as well. And I don't know how active they're going to be, and I don't know how much they're going to you know, play these young guys, but um, they definitely need some help. I think there's more and more D becoming available. Uh, you know, you saw Yandel bought out, you know, if you wanted a bottom pair, you know, Tyson Berry's becoming a UFA. Um, but they need, I mean, they get needed. Those are offensive guys. They need guys you can keep the puck out of the net, but I'm just concerned about them going ahead with these three groups of young D and not having any established guys to help out, you know, Morrissey, DeMello and Pionkin, you know, who I think that's pretty much what you're going with. And then we'll see who the other, three are and I don't think you're going with three young guys yeah you don't have to worry about it because it's not going to (laughs) happen like they're just not going to do it Paul Maurice has never done it I don't see why he would change now I mean he said it after the season right he said I think he's I mean I might be paraphrasing but that he was most comfortable with like one rookie at a time on the blue line so I I don't think that's going to be the case it's just the Jets and I mean there's a lot of teams that are in this position too but the Jets if they could grab that no doubt about it number one defenseman Everything else really falls into place after that, but it's just so hard to do it. Now, this is a rare offseason where it's actually possible because Dougie Hamilton is, I mean, slated to hit free agency. Uh, I, I know Seth Jones is kind of a divisive name, but he's been a top pair defenseman, you know, and, and was a Norris finalist almost just a couple of seasons ago. So there's a there's a couple options there for the Jets to make happen. We'll see if they get it done, though. I'm not a huge fan of the just grab two guys grab two top four defensemen and we'll figure it out moving forward i think the jets need to aim a little bit higher than that we'll see though if they're able to find a way to get that done uh we'll continue the hockey talk here we'll get back to the expansion draft and everything else a little bit later on in the show but we're gonna talk some draft the 2021 draft is coming up pretty soon so ryan kennedy the prospect expert for the hockey news is going to join us in uh, just a few minutes here. But I do want to mention this quick. Royal Sports, the original sports superstar here in Winnipeg. And actually, Remo, my first ever job was at Royal Sports, if you could believe that or not. Uh, But Royal Sports is the biggest selection. Hockey, soccer, basketball, baseball, all kinds of gear, along with fitness and, and camping equipment. If you're heading out with us to Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge later on this weekend, all of that and so much more. So make sure you check out Royal Sports at 650 Rally and EK as well as 750 Pemina Highway. It's also going to be way too hot to uh, humanly breathe outside. So 
what better way to cool off than with a, a blizzard or two with Nikki and Nikki DQ Groove, four locations, Northgate, Niverville, Polo Park, and St. Anne's Road. So you can stop by for a blizzard or a burger today and be the hero at your next gathering by bringing in a famous DQ ice cream cake. My go-to blizzard is the fattest one imaginable. Mint ice cream with extra cheesecake bits. You can also order their cakes on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Also, patios are open and it's perfect patio weather as well. And Boston pizza lounges and restaurants are open as well during patio season. So why don't you head down there and try out the new Honeydale fried chicken sandwich or the burger Italiano and new summer cocktails, including the bulldog margarita fishbowl, the white sangria smash, as well as the peachy mojito royale at your neighborhood Boston pizza. We're bringing in now Ryan Kennedy from the Hockey News, the draft and prospect expert. Ryan, how's everything going today, man? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. You know, I was checking out your your Twitter page yesterday, and I noticed your pinned tweet. And for those that haven't seen it before, it's actually a video of you participating in the Wingate, which for those that don't know, is when prospects at the uh, at the combine and everything ride the bike like a madman until they throw up, essentially. I think that was five years ago, right? Have you actually recovered since then? I have. That was, it was actually the OHL draft combine. So it was me competing against 15-year-olds. There was a couple of other reporters there. And I'll never forget it because the Wingate is the, the shorter of the two bikes. You know, at the NHL combine, they also do the VO2 max, which is longer. The Wingate, I think it's like a minute or 30 seconds. And they drop weights. It's weighted. Uh, and you just, yeah, you got to pedal as fast as you can. And I didn't throw up, but I had like an entire like protein bar and an energy shake. And then I went and got Chinese food. Like I ate about 2,000 calories just to like recover from, uh, you know, the, uh, the exertion that I put into that. And I didn't even go that fast. I was the best out of the reporters, but the kid just killed me. Hey, man, that's better than I would have done. And I will say we do share the same post-workout meal, except my workout consists of 10 minutes walking on the elliptical and flipping through channels on TV trying to find something to watch. Um, let's talk draft. The draft isn't that far away. I mean, the expansion draft comes first. The NHL draft is a few days after. I mean, just tell us what it's like. I mean, we thought the previous draft was unique, but this one maybe even more so. As somebody that watches and studies prospects for a living, how in the world do you grade prospects in a year where most of the junior leagues were shut down and these kids barely even played? It's pretty tough. And it's going to be interesting because next year's draft will also be impacted because, you know, a lot of NHL regional scouts, they kind of build up their books from a couple of years of data. And obviously they're not going to have anything for this year going forward for next year. But, you know, particularly in the OHL where they had no season, you really have to kind of trust your instincts and, and think back to, you know, what kind of projection you had for that kid as an underager, because other than the kids that played for Canada at the world under 18s and, and, you know, there were some that went to Europe, there are kids that literally played zero games this year and you're going to have to make a decision on them at some point in the draft or just decide, Hey, you know, we're not confident 
um, in that lack of information. So we're going to go for a kid in, say, the USHL where they had a full season or, you know, the Quebec League played pretty close to a normal season and they did have playoffs. So there was a little more normalcy there. And, and then, of course, this year is pretty unique where you have three kids that played for the University of Michigan that will likely go in the top 10, um, where, again, you had a, a fairly normal schedule there. So it's, it's going to be very difficult. And, you know, when I do these rankings, I'm, I'm talking to scouts and, and just trying to get a sense of the range for these kids. But, you know, more so than ever, you're going to have kids go in – you know, maybe the early second round that some teams wouldn't take in the fifth round and vice versa. It's going to be very interesting to see how it all shakes out. Do you really think that, I mean, you touched on it there, but for example, OHL prospects, are they going to get absolutely hammered as far as where they're picked this year as opposed to other years? Some of them might. And, you know, the OHL has been one of the the top feeder leagues uh, for the draft, if not the top feeder league, but you know, when you get into those players that were probably second or third rounders, but they didn't play at all this year, maybe they turn into fifth or sixth rounders just because teams don't have the same sample size. And when you're talking about a 17-year-old, you're seeing so much growth just over that one season. So you might have seen the kid as a 16-year-old, but can you accurately figure out what, He's going to be as an 18 or a 19 year old with all that missing data in the middle. It's a huge challenge and teams are going to approach it differently, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in three, four years, there's going to be some kids that were drafted this year that will be NHL stars that we're not talking about right now. Uh, And that always happens, but I think it's going to happen even more uh, with this draft class because certain teams are going to hit on kids where they nail the projection and others will not be so lucky. And uh, it's going to be very intriguing to see what happens sort of three, four years down the line. So what would you, how would you best describe this year's draft class? Because it, it's a little different, at least from some previous draft classes where we, I think we have a sense of who's going to be the number one overall pick, but there's not that standout player or players right at the top. How would you best characterize uh, this year's class? You know, I would say it's it's looking like a an okay draft, a decent draft in terms of high end players. I think if you need a defenseman, this is a great year for you because Owen Power is you know likely going to go first overall to the Buffalo Sabers. But you also have Simon Edmondson from Sweden. You know, Lou Hughes, the younger brother of Jack Hughes and Gwyn Hughes. Um, you know, you have Brent Clark out of the OHL who went over to Slovakia and looked pretty good. And then, of course, it's great for Canada at the World Under-18s. You know, you have Corson Kuhleman, Carson Lambos, um, you know, Scott Morrow from Chattis St. Mary's. Like, there's a lot of defensemen with uh, intrigue attached to them. If you need a number one center, you might kind of be out of luck. Uh, you know, Matty Beniers is, is probably the best forward in the draft, but he's probably more of a a two-way center, uh, maybe a really good number two. Um, you know, maybe Chaz Lucius or Mason McTavish can be number one centers, but it's certainly not a year where you point to, you know, a Connor McDavid um, or a Jack Eichel or an Austin Matthews and say, yeah, that's a, that's a number one center that's going to be a difference maker in the NHL, no question. Uh, this year there's a little more um, 
you know, variance there and, and a little more projection and, and maybe the upsides aren't as high as they will be, say, next year when Shane Wright goes first overall or the year after that when Connor Bedard goes first overall. Now, before we get into potential targets for the Jets with their first round pick, you mentioned a name that uh, people here in Winnipeg are very familiar with. But can you just touch on good old Winnipeg boy Carson Lambos and I guess just where he's expected to go and then what his ceiling might be? Because I know before this past season, he was maybe slated as a potential top 10, top five pick. Yeah, I think he's probably still a top 20 pick, maybe even top 15. Um, you know, went over to Finland uh, and looked decent there, uh, playing some hockey. Came, you know, came back here. Um, you know, missed a lot of time. Uh, didn't get to play at the World Under 18s because uh, you know he had a medical procedure uh, that he had to undergo right beforehand, and so he wasn't uh, you know physically capable of, of playing just yet, which was you know very unfortunate. But you know, scouts do have a book on him. Great transitional defenseman. You know, get the puck up the ice. I think. You know, he's still got that potential to be, um, you know, maybe a top pairing guy, maybe not necessarily number one, but maybe a number two, uh, or maybe, you know, a team's number, you know, three or four at worst. But, you know, I think this is a kid that we've seen some pretty nice upside. And to me, he seems like a, like a nice, safe player where I, I don't see a lot going wrong with Carson Lambos. I think he's. He's the kind of kid where you say, yeah, he's, he's going to make the NHL and it's just a matter of, you know, what his role is going to be. And that's going to be crucial in the next couple of seasons just to see how he grows into his game and how he develops. We're speaking to Ryan Kennedy, the senior writer and prospect expert for the Hockey News here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Brandon Rewicki filling in for Andrew Hustler-Patterson. Ryan, the Jets hold the 18th overall pick. It's really tough to try and pinpoint a player that you might lean towards the Jets selecting because there's just so much potential balls up in the air until you get to pick number 18. But who do you think is in that range right now that you think might be a real nice fit when the Winnipeg Jets head to the podium with the 18th overall pick? Yeah, well, you know, if if I'm looking at uh, a draft preview here that we put out uh, on Newstand, thank you. Seamless. Um, I had Brendan Offman from the Flint Firebirds of the OHL, 18th overall. And um, obviously he couldn't play in the OHL this season, but he did go over to Switzerland, uh, played against pros, played against men, looked pretty good. Uh, I thought he was very good for Canada at the World Under 18s. This is a kid that can really score goals. He's a winger, uh, but he's got some nice grit and sandpaper to his game too. Like he'll go into the hard areas and uh, he'll play physical. You know, he'll get you off your game and, and still be able to contribute offense. Um, you know, in the magazine, we said, you know, he could be sort of that Gabriel Landeskog guy where, you know, he might not be the most talented guy on the line, but he's the guy that you need to sort of stir the drink and make things happen. Um, so, you know, you look at Winnipeg's pool right now, and they've got, uh, a, you know, a very nice offensive player and Cole Perfetti coming up. Uh, they've got some nice defensemen like Billy Hainala on the way up, and obviously Hainala's already played some games for the Jets. So, you know, they're, they're pretty well balanced. There's not one particular position that I think they need to hit. Um, so, you know, I'm looking at Offman. Oscar Olison uh, would be another player from Sweden that's kind of in that range. Uh, you know, if they're looking for a defenseman, I mean, Carson Lambos is, is right there. I had him 17th in draft preview. So he could certainly uh, be that hometown boy that uh, – 
that comes through the Jets. He's in that range. And there's also, you know, if they're, if they're looking for a center, Aturati, a player who we thought might even be first overall uh, about a year ago. And, and he's had some some tough development time and, and, and sort of slid down the rankings, but still a, a big kid who defends well and, and works hard. If Winnipeg's looking for kind of a different vibe there, Rati might be the kind of guy that ends up being, uh, you know, a, a really good third line center and, and maybe even a second line center if he finds his goal scoring touch again. You know, I, I was going to ask you about your thoughts on the Jets' uh, defensive prospects, at least. But that you, you kind of knocked me off my chair there for a second. Aturati was the the, the lock in number one, like what a year ago, year and a half ago. What's what's gone wrong to the point that the Jets might be able to take him middle of the first round? Well, he just had a really tough year. Where I mean, he was snake bit offensively. You know, he couldn't score in the Liga. You know, playing in Finland against men, they sent him to junior. Had trouble scoring there, you know, because Finland didn't have an actual physical camp for the world junior team. He didn't really have a chance to, to show off his stuff in a, a camp setting. So he was left off the world junior team, even though he played for Finland's world junior squad the year before as uh, as an underager. So you put all those factors together and then you have, you know, everybody else that, would, that was kind of passing him because they were having better seasons. So it's really a matter of do you believe that he has enough offense in his game and this was just a bad year, uh, or is he more suited to a bottom six role? And that obviously impacts how high a team's going to take him. When you talk about the Winnipeg Jets prospect pool, I mean, Cole Perfetti is obviously, I think, the, the jewel of everything right now and someone fans are really excited about. But maybe the most important might be on the blue line. Logan Stanley breaks through to the NHL last year, but Billy Hainala and Dylan Sandberg, I think, are the names that really excite Jets fans. I don't know how many Moose games you watched this past season, but what do you think the, I guess, ceiling would be for a Billy Hainala and a Dylan Sandberg? Well, you know, I like both players, and I, I think they bring uh, very different skill sets to the ice, which is very nice if you're a Jets fan. And, you know, again, Billy Hainala was always sort of seen as the the poor man's Miro Heskinen, uh, which is uh, still a great compliment because Miro Heskinen is a fantastic defenseman for the Dallas Stars. But, you know, that's that's sort of the player you're getting. You know, a puck mover, very intelligent, very mobile. Dylan Sandberg uh, has some really nice dynamic elements to his game. He's got a big shot, got the great size, you know, winning pedigree coming from the University of Minnesota Duluth. And even, you know, when he played high school at Hermantown in Minnesota, uh, he was a state champion there for the Hawks. So I, I think both of them are, uh, again, probably in that sort of two to four range. I, I think that's what you're looking at in your uh, in your defensive depth chart. And I think, you know, based on what Josh Morrissey did, particularly, I think, near the end of the season and, and even the playoffs, uh, even though, you know, the, the Jets didn't have much success there, um, you know, I mean, they did get to the, the second round. Um you know, I, I feel like Josh Morrissey has established himself as kind of the guy. Like, he can be that number one, um, even if he's not like a superstar. But you've got this great supporting cast behind him. And and as you mentioned, Logan Stanley taking a big step forward, I think, helps as well. Things are starting to sort of come into focus for the Jets uh, on the defense core. And, and obviously, that's uh, been a big issue the past couple of years. So I think that's a positive development. It's just a matter of, how quickly Hainala and Sandberg um, can can get into the, the NHL picture. 
I want to get to one of your articles you wrote on the Hockey News about a big-name player on the trade market, but one last draft one for you here. It's such a unique season, and it's going to be tough, or, or maybe it's going to be easier with prospects not playing as much as, they, as much as they've used to, but Tampa Bay built their roster primarily on picking superstars and gems after the first round. Who do you think are some of the players this year that, with either a second or a third-round pick, teams could target that could potentially blossom into a major contributor down the road? Well, one name that comes to mind for me is Sasha Talagan. Uh, he played out in the BCHL this season. He's originally from Boston. His dad is actually a, a former Russian hockey player turned skills coach. Uh, so obviously, when you think of Talagan, uh, it's all about the hands, all about the creativity. Uh, played for Chilliwack. I watched him a bunch this year just on video. I thought he was very intriguing. And, uh, you know, he's headed to, if I'm not mistaken, the University of Connecticut. Uh, I believe he just switched his commitment recently. But that's the sort of player that I know teams are looking at where they say, if we could get him in, like, the third round, that could be a huge win for us because, you know, he's still rounding out his game. He's, he's, he's still kind of a raw kid uh, on the other side of the puck. You know, he needs to get bigger and stronger. But that's why the NCAA path makes so much sense for him. But there's a lot of... Uh, sort of fun potential in Sasha Talagan. So that's that's one sleeper I'm looking at that could be uh, very exciting. People can check out your great work on thehockeynews.com. One of your articles touches on a huge name on the trade market that's developed over the past little while. But touch on the Vladimir Tarasenko situation in St. Louis. Will he or won't he get moved? And where do you think might be a, a solid destination for him? Well, I, I think he will get moved. It, it feels like that relationship with the Blues is fractured based on the way that um, they handled his, his multiple shoulder surgeries and, and the fact that it was you know a, a Blues doctor that was involved in the first two, and when he did a third one independently, they found you know they found some things that, that didn't get cleared up the first two times. Um, it's it's going to be interesting because you know I, I think I saw today on Twitter that Boston's out. Uh, you know, there's only going to be so many suitors because there's, there's risk, you know, you've got that big contract um, and then you've got a guy that has not been healthy. And, and, you know, we all know Tarasenko for that wicked release on his shot. I mean, how, how's that going to be impacted by these shoulder surgeries? It's tough, but he is a competitor. You know, part of me wonders, I mean, the New York Rangers are a pretty good fit because they do have the cap space and, um, you know, they're, they're on their way up. And, you know, the benefit they have is they still have guys on entry-level contracts that are going to be nice contributors for them. So that kind of helps with the cap situation. So, I, you know, I would be surprised if ultimately the Rangers ended up being the, uh, the sort of winners of the Tarasenko sweepstakes. But, I mean, the Los Angeles Kings are a team to watch as well because I think they look at how weak that Pacific Division is going to be next season and say, we can get back in it. You know, we could get back in the postseason while, you know, Kopitar and Dowdy are, are still around and we've got all these great young kids coming up like Byfield and Kaliev and Turcotte. Um, so I, I kind of wonder if the Kings would look at Tarasenko and say, hey, if we can make the money work here, let's give it a shot. Why not? You threw up the uh, draft preview that you've got with the hockey news. Is there anything else in the near future that you're working on that hockey fans should check out? Well, we do have the champions issue. Uh, obviously, have the Tampa Bay Lightning on the cover, Steven Stamkos. Uh, that just uh, went to print. It'll be out uh, next week. So, uh, yeah, fans can look for that. Champions issue, we cover not only the NHL, 
covered basically every league that had a championship this year and just sort of stories from the ones that didn't. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, and I, I don't have it physically yet, but uh, yeah, that'll be the next one out. And uh, and then, of course, now we're starting to work on the big summer projects like yearbook and pool book. So those will be rolling out in a few months. Beauty. Well, hey, I appreciate you taking the time to join us today, Ryan. And I'll tell you what, in honor of your post-Wingate workout, I too will consume 3,000 calories for supper, okay? Sounds good. Awesome. Ryan Kennedy of the Hockey News, senior writer and draft expert. You know, I hadn't even thought of that, Remo, but how cool would that be? I mean, I know the Jets are a little stacked or maybe I don't know if stacked is the right word, but they've got their defensive prospect pool somewhat set. But Carson Lambos, the Winnipeg boy to come here in the draft, that would be a hell of a get. So we'll see if they're able to pull that one off. But there'll be a ton of options for the Jets with the number 18th pick overall. I'm trying to unmute myself. It's the button stuck. <laughs> but uh, one thing the Jets haven't had since um, returning. I mean, they tried to go with Eric Fair, Derek Meech. And they need a superstar or, a, you know, a player who gets significant minutes, plays a significant role, player from Winnipeg in the lineup. I mean, I don't think they need one, but I think it would be pretty damn cool. I mean, the Bombers have Andrew Harris. There's so many Winnipeggers in the NHL. And, you know, they haven't been able to draft to, you know, draft some of them or haven't been able to acquire them or sign them. But I think that would be uh, that would be great to see. So, if, you know, he did fall to the Jets. You know, maybe they would, you know, you know, they probably know more about him than any other player just because of proximity. But I'm down, I'm down if they scoop him up. I'm down yeah. with a couple other Winnipeggers potentially stopping by, too, with, I mean, hey, Travis Zajac and Darren Helm. Darren Helm's from St. Andrews, but mm-hmm. those are a couple guys that I've known since my childhood, and they're a couple of beauties as well. So maybe they're in the offering. But you got something. Is there some breaking news, Remo? Is there? I don't I don't know. I, said, I, I, thought, I thought you were throwing something to me there. It's all good, though. I saw um, someone tweeting about uh, talking about Louis Eustazen, but uh, but no. Not, nothing. Uh, I don't. I don't see anything breaking right now. I do have all the alerts from like I got like five apps giving me alerts. Like Ryan Graves yesterday getting traded. Like I got a Score app, TSN app, the Athletic app, the NHL app. Like all telling me, hey, uh, this guy got traded. So I'm on top of it, but no, nothing. Well, we thought maybe we'd see something today, you know, leading up. Man, but uh, GMs suck. GMs yeah. suck. I, we were told this was going to be the most explosive summer ever. And right now, Ryan Graves, as far as trades go, highlights the water point, like the, the, the pinnacle of, of movement so far. So I've been pretty disappointed, but I guess there is still a decent amount of time left to go. You mentioned Louis Ustase in there, Remo. Uh, the second round at the Open Championship is now done at Royal St. George, and Louis holds the lead at 11 under par. Uh, five under round for him today. Yeah, so Louis Ustase it's, it's almost turning into um, a three-horse race, it looks like. Louie has the lead. He's in first at 11-under. Two back is Colin Morikawa with the uh, second round of the day, a six-under. And then Jordan Spieth kind of lurking in the weeds there. He's at eight-under. Then you've got a boatload of people at seven and six-under. Matt Hughes is at five-under. So, I mean, only six back. He's still kind of in it there. And then Corey Connors down there at four-under, not too far off the pace. The cuts at uh, what like after plus one. So if you're you know two over and below, or is it above? I have no idea what these. Yeah, you, yeah. If you're if you're at one over, you're okay. And yeah, two over. One of those at, at one over is your boy Bryson. Bryson's gonna play. It's not some my boy. 
No? Is, is he anyone's boy right now, Bryson? Dude. So, I mean, we can maybe talk about this um, after Scott Cullen joins us. But Bryson, I don't, dude, is there a more unlikable person in sports right now? I was going to say the only person that I thought of is, uh, I want to say Conor McGregor, but people actually like Conor McGregor. I don't, yeah, like, I, I don't, like, like, I don't like him. But, I mean, he has fans. He's going to sell out pay-per-views. Uh, Bryson doesn't seem doesn't seem like fans. I don't know. Did you see him? Uh, was yesterday calling saying his driver sucked and his uh, sponsor was a Cobra? Yeah, to put out a response. The Cobra rep is he sounds like an absolute beauty. Like to go after Bryson like that. That that's my guy. Like that might be my favorite guy in golf right now. The Cobra Tour rep. But man, he I I just I hate athletes that don't take responsibility for when they screw up. It, it's maybe the most unendearing thing that you can do. And whether or not there was some kind of technological issue with the driver, I mean, they go out of their way to make the most unique club in golf by the sounds of it. So I, I'm, yeah, I, I, you might be right. I don't know if there's anybody that is pro Bryson right now. And then Kepka Brooks, he had to, of course, take a shot at him after his round today. I don't know if you saw that, but saying that he loves his driver, it's good to go. So uh, the chase for 40 mil between those two continues. Um, But at the very least, I'm I'm sure the PGA is happy that Bryson is going to be around for the weekend. And, you know, who knows, maybe he finds uh, finds how to use the lawn stick and maybe gets back into the race for Sunday. Yeah, he did put out a call in chat saying most hated uh, or sorry, athlete out there. Uh, I think Trini put one in that. I think was acceptable. Corey Perry is up there. And Corey Perry's a guy when he's not on your team, you don't like him. Everything he does annoys you. But when he's on your team, and I know maybe people did hop on the Montreal bandwagon during the playoffs as Canada's team, right? Canada's team, of course. Oh, and, shut and, up. And if you, if you buy that <laughs> and uh, you're like, yeah, I love Corey Perry. Every team needs a guy like Corey Perry to mix it up. And he's a guy also becoming a UFA and, Sounds like he wants to remain in Montreal, but we'll see. But um, you know, switching back to hockey, the other name that's becoming out there, and people were asking about him in chat if he would be an option for the Jets. And I, I think the Jets are, are pretty set at, at forward, to be honest. But Phil Deneau, breakout playoffs, everyone looking at him as defensive wizard. He's a UFA. Will he be taking uh, the pizza to another city, or will he be sticking with Montreal style? Is that a thing, Montreal style pizza? I, they got Montreal style bagels. I know that yeah. maybe not, that's the crest. I don't know how that works, but I, I don't see that as an option for the Jets. He's he's just too expensive, right? Like you already have Shifley, Dubois, Lowry down the middle. I mean, maybe even Paul Stasty if he comes back mm-hmm. for another year. It'd be nice. He's a hell of a player, but I I don't know if that's going to be in the fold. Uh, when, I mean, when it comes to free agency, he's going to get paid. Philip Deneau. Have you heard some of the the rumors around Zach Hyman's deal? Okay, I saw Andy Strickland of uh, FS Midwest, or I guess it's not FS. I think they switched it to Bally. Anyway, Bally oh, Sports. Bally? Uh, either way, he's in St. Louis. He seems to be very plugged in on Hyman. Seven or eight-year deal? That seems Stop. like... Yeah, that's what he was saying. It would be like starting at a seven or an eight for Zach Hyman. He's 29. <laughs> he has problems staying healthy. I don't... I mean, if you're a GM, you gotta. I think you gotta put the pen down and go hands up. Be like, uh, no, thank you. But I, you, you like his game. He plays physical. But I think, I think we've discussed here. Um, 
giving anyone seven or eight years, unless you're an absolute superstar, like Hall Sherlock Hall of Famer, you're probably not giving anyone like that as who's not that a seven year, eight year deal. It seems like a bad move. No, like only after your ELC is done, right? Like you pay a yeah. guy through his twenties for seven or eight years. And he, yeah. And even then, how often do those work out, right? Well, Erickson Eck, we were talking about him. I mean, he got the eight year deal, right, from Minnesota, but he's only twenty four. Uh, that's taking you to yeah. 32. And I think that's, you know, that's a fair deal. That could work over both sides. But uh, Nugent Hopkins got the big deal and he's 29. So, I mean, when you're giving guys deals at that age into their 30s, it's a risk. And I don't know if you want to be, if you want to be taking that. And we've seen so many deals on free agency absolutely not work out. Uh, you know, Louis Erickson, Andrew Ladd, uh, David well, you know Backus. Like, reminds me of? Who? I hate to say it, and it's kind of a, a taboo name to even discuss out there in Toronto, but is this not David Clarkson 2.0? Oh, Zach Hyman, are you saying that? Or Yeah, well, I, I mean, Clarkson was coming off, like, what, a 30-some-odd goal season? Mm-hmm. I, I think Zach Hyman's a better player than, than David Clarkson, but you touched on it, man. Like, he he's had some serious injuries. Like, he's one more knee injury away from calling it quits so i i mean i i, I saw six by six and i was like holy mm. <laughs> holy moly like i don't know how any team could justify that one potentially working out for them but if you're talking seven years that's just i i you would think gms would learn by now not to commit that much term but they just make the same mistakes over and over again i i thought zach hyman might be a nice fit here in winnipeg actually just as far as a compliment to the to the high skill guys that they have, but I was thinking that at like three or four years and four million. But when we're talking six or seven, yeah, sayonara, I'm out on that. Uh, Scott Cullen is, I believe, in the green room. He's ready to go here in just a second, so we'll keep the hockey talk going here. But before we get to Scott, want to mention not Autocore. Shout out to them. Why not get into the vehicle of your dreams? At a great price with the help of the Not Team, a wide selection of cars, including many Teslas. And if you're already in a lease or a vehicle, they'll help you get max value for that with your current ride with their successful consignment program. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure it helps you out. Pop in and see them at Waverly and McGilvery or check them out online today at not.ca. I also want to give some love to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Enjoy some cold 1919s. I've actually got one ready to go here for after the show, or maybe after Scott joins us, I might crack this one open in celebration. Grab one of those or the new LBJ Summer Lager with friends on the patio at the LBJ Tap Room at 336 William Avenue. Or you can actually, if you're lazy like me, get it delivered to your home by ordering online at littlebrownjug.ca. It's never been easier to get the great taste of Little Brown Jug. And also, Check out their events page on the website so you can check out where they're at in the community throughout the week. One last shout out to Breezy Bend Country Club. If you want to head out to the links in honor of the Open Championship getting underway, Breezy Bend has a great junior program, ladies and men's night, social events as well. Breezy Bend is the spot for you and your family to get the most out of the golf season. So get on the waiting list for next year and you can find out more at breezybend.ca. Super Jack to bring on our next guest now, contributor to The Athletic and McKean's Hockey, fantasy expert, hockey, baseball, basketball, all the sports. He's there to help you out and win you some money as well. 
But Scott Cullen is here to join us right now. Scott, how, how's it going today, man? I'm great. How are we doing today? We're doing pretty good. You know, the one thing I'll say here in Winnipeg, I don't know if you want to dive into this because I feel like the city's getting torn apart here on this debate. <laughs> even even my me and my wife are going at it. She won't even talk to me about this anymore. But yeah. do you want to wade into DeMello versus Stanley? That, that seems to be oh, yeah. the thing everyone's talking about right now. I think I know where you're leaning, but I'd love to hear your take on this. Sure. I mean, it's obvious. The analytics guy is going to say, take Dylan DeMello and, and, and keep him. Um, here's the, the I, I understand where the, where the thinking goes on, on Logan Stanley. Um, because in some ways, like he got drafted too high. Uh, I think there, there was a, a lot of people at the time who were saying, no, that that's going to be a problem. Well, and, and so the fact that he's turned out to be an NHL player and, and that, does seem like his future is that he's actually going to have an NHL career. So he's, he's maybe, you know, surpassed some of those expectations in the first place that, that, you know, the critics were saying, well, no, he's not even going to make it. Well, so it does appear that he's going to make it and you, and you've got a big body on defense and teams love, they love their big defensemen. Um, And so, I mean, I get where the jets are coming from in the thought that, Oh yes, we, you know, we want to protect Logan Stanley. He's going to be a, a part of our future. And I get it except he's not as good as Dylan DeMello. And, and I think that, you know, it would be much easier for you to replace Logan Stanley. Uh, and, you know, if, if you're the position that the, the Jets are right now, I have to presume that you're playing to, to compete and try and win, you know, with this core that you have. It, it would make no sense to try and, you know, build for the future when you've got Shifley and Ehlers and Wheeler and Connor and, and that core of forwards. Like, you're playing to win now with that group. And if you're playing to win now with that group, it makes a lot more sense to have Dylan DeMello, a guy who can play legit top four minutes and be reasonably effective in those top four minutes uh, than, than keeping Logan Stanley. It's just, I, I understand why teams get this way, especially with homegrown guys. Uh, you know, the, there's like an organizational investment, uh, right? That when, you, when you've scouted this guy and you've drafted this guy and, and you're really committed to it, and then, you know, I mean, he's okay. He, he looks like he's an NHL player, but we know Dylan DeMello is better than that. And if you're trying to win now, I think it makes more sense to keep DeMello. All right. So everybody in the chat. And, 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 and by the way, and they probably won't. So <laughs> yeah. Scott Cullen said it. Stanley sucks. DeMello's great. <laughs> you can leave me and Remo alone for a little bit and go after Scott. Uh, you know, now, the interesting thing, and this is what me and uh, Michael Remus were talking about earlier, and I've said this for a while. I think Seattle ends up taking Mason Appleton regardless. Like we have this debate all the time about who to keep on the blue line, but I think they go Appleton either way. I mean, I know you would lean towards Appleton if it was between mm. Appleton and Stanley, but if it was yeah. between Mason Appleton and Dylan DeMello and you're beside yeah. Ron Francis. Here, sorry. And, and that is the angle where if you are, if you are doing this as sort of temptation so that you get to keep Mason Appleton, I can understand if that's the angle that they're playing uh, too, right? Is is that if you decide, I mean, because I think it, when people have been doing their mock expansion drafts, uh, basically from the start of the season, Mason Appleton has been the guy that uh, everyone expects uh, Seattle to get out of Winnipeg. But if you're Winnipeg and you're like, well, okay, we don't have the room to protect Mason Appleton, you know, without losing another uh, quality forward. But how, how can we, how can we tempt Seattle uh in another direction. If, if you do it with Dylan DeMello, maybe that's enough to convince them and they take DeMello. I, I mean, I still think they'd probably take Afton cause he's, he's cheaper, right? You, mm-hmm. You've got a guy who's, who's a legit top nine forward this year on an entry level deal. You can see how that 
you know, would be really appealing to an expansion team because, um, you know, the, the Seattle might look at it and say, this is a guy that we can move up the depth chart. Maybe he plays second line in Seattle next year, depending on, depending on how their, uh, their expansion draft shakes out. And so I, I can, there's, I guess, one angle to, to leaving DeMello available is that you hope uh, that, that Seattle is more intrigued by, by DeMello um, so that they don't take Appleton. And then, I mean, here's the other part of it is if you're taking DeMello as Seattle, maybe you're not even taking DeMello to keep him. Like Seattle is probably going to draft 12 defensemen. I mean, something like that. And then turn around and start flipping some of these defensemen to get more long-term assets. I mean, that's, um, th- th- that is the, the best place for them to find value in an expansion draft is uh, you get uh, these defensemen who are four or five uh, type defensemen and every team needs those guys. Uh, and you just get to pluck a bunch for free and then turn around and start flipping them for draft picks, prospects, whatever. Uh, and you still get to keep, you know, seven or eight legit NHL defensemen. Uh, so I, I think, you know, there, there's a, there's an argument to be made, I guess, that, that you could put Dylan DeMello, um, you know, out there uh, for Seattle. Uh, and if it means you get to keep Mason Appleton, you know, maybe that, maybe that uh, makes it a little more worthwhile. It has just so many layers to this. And, it's just, <laughs> and, that, and that's just with Winnipeg to yeah, try and do it for another 30 right? teams. Yeah. <laughs> and like our team's going to trade assets to protect. Like it just goes on and on and on. I mean, that, that's a good point too. Vegas did that where they saw, I don't know how many demon they picked, but they mm-hmm. flipped a handful of those. They took too many, but they did still grab a couple of draft picks out of moving a number of defensemen. So it won't surprise anybody to see Seattle do the same thing. Um, I mean, Winnipeg might be one of those teams, honestly, that grabs one of those defensemen in a trade from Seattle because that's yeah. their biggest weakness right now. When you look at the Jets as a whole, I mean, it, it's fairly obvious high skill up front and one of the best, if not the best goaltenders on the planet in the blue paint. Yep. How should the Jets, what do you think the Jets should do when it comes to improving their blue line for this upcoming season so they can get back to the place they were back in 2018? Well, I mean... You would say, oh, yes, go out and, and go go acquire quality top four defensemen as, as though that's an easy thing to do. Yeah. It's not. I mean, there, there are a couple, you know, real difference makers that are going to be out there in free agency, but only a couple. Um, you know, Dougie Hamilton is going to be out there and there's going to be a bunch of teams who are throwing massive money at him. It's not going to be easy to get Dougie Hamilton. Um, and then, you know, like the other guys who are out there, like Ryan Suter will help a team, but I don't I don't imagine uh, I imagine he, he's going to go to. A probably an American team. B, you know, probably on a short term, you know, one or two year deal for you know at this stage of his career. And so, like, I, I think if you're um, if you're Winnipeg, it, it would make sense to be looking to to trade for some of these guys who are who are left extra. Like, I, I was online today, and I and you saw the the protected list that is expected for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, and it has them protecting Mark Friedman, uh, who's been like an extra uh, in the NHL for a few years. He was on um, waivers. The Flyers put him on yeah. waivers a couple months. Yeah. And, and, and um, leaving Marcus Pedersen available, uh, right? I mean, they're also leaving Mike, Mike Matheson available, but we understand that you know p- people don't want to take on that contract. But, but, but in Pedersen's case, I mean, he's got four more years left at a little more than $4 million. But he's good. Like, his defensive results have been, you know, positive kind of like three years in a row. So the, they're... To lose that for nothing, which, I mean, that's the risk here that, that Pittsburgh is taking, uh, is that you could lose Marcus Pedersen for nothing um, just to get that salary off the books. Well, if, if you're a team like, um, you know, Winnipeg, you, you know, maybe you, you say to Seattle, look, you take Marcus Pedersen, we'll be interested in uh, in getting that player from you. And then you have, you know, you have to work out whatever kind of trade uh, in addition 
to to sweeten the pot there for Seattle. But I, I think those are the, there should be quite a few of those deals being made. I mean, uh, from the sounds of it, uh, lots of GMs have been talking with Ron Francis about uh, what they could do. Um, you know, related to the expansion draft and everyone seems to be complaining about uh, the Kraken, you know, asking for too much, but they should, you know, they, they, they have a bunch of teams over a barrel um, and, and teams are sitting here trying, well, we don't know how to fix things. And and you do what Minnesota does. And they're like, they buy out uh, Suter and Parise just so they can protect Matt Dumba and, uh, oh, and Nico Sturm. And it's like, I you know, you're, you've got a massive cap hit coming yeah. in, in the next few years, all all to keep Matt Dumba and Nico Sturm. Like, I, I think, you know, if, if you're Seattle, you say, yeah, we're going to drive a hard bargain. And, and if it means that you're going to make decisions like that, then so be it. Um, you know, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face a little bit there. And, and I and I think, you know, teams teams that you, you can understand that Seattle has an advantage based on the circumstances of this and. Uh, and then, you know, you say, OK, well, you're going to be getting this defenseman or you have access to this defenseman. How can we make a deal for that guy? And if you can line something up uh, ahead of time or at least, you know, the parameters of something ahead of time, um, I think it gives you a decent chance to, uh, um, you know, to to replenish your own defense. And, and a team like Winnipeg, and certainly, um, you know, they, they've needed to replenish that defense. You know, the last last couple of seasons have, have been a little rough back there. And, you know, it, it's one thing. You know, you, you get bailed out by Connor Hellebuck and and sometimes that covers up uh, the problems that are going on back there. But, you know, Im- imagine if you just gave Connor Hellebuck a little bit more support and uh, how much better things could be. You know, like I, I know the Jets talk about that their internal metrics are, are you know, <laughs> don't show them being quite as uh, outplayed as, as all the public metrics do. But, you know, what if what if you got yourself to a point where the public metrics were saying you were even a 50 50 team because you would take 50 50 with a team that has great goaltending and great forwards who are going to score more than the average forward. So like th- that should be the objective. And I think if, if you're Winnipeg, really, the the only thing you need to focus on is I mean, not the only thing, but your defense. Go go get a couple of legit NHL defensemen who can bolster that unit. You know, call up uh, Vili Heinola next year, or who you know, some guys who are going to make a difference on that back end, and, and hope that uh, you you give it a little bit more support there. Because I mean, I think if you look at um, you know, look at a team like Colorado, who during the regular season this past year was the best team uh, in hockey, and they did it. I mean, yes, they had McKinnon and Ritten, and they have all those star forwards, but I think the real difference maker for Colorado is they had all these puck moving defensemen that. There just aren't other teams who could keep rolling out guys who can carry the puck down the ice. Uh, and so if, if you're, you know, Winnipeg, you could use one or two of those guys to, uh, that can kind of get you into that game, into a game where you can play in transition and, and move it really fast. And, and, you know, given the forwards that Winnipeg has, you know, get, get some defense who are going to be able to move the puck to them and make something happen. So, yes, that, that is what I think they should do, and I'm not sure that's what's going to happen. It's very similar to me, you know, stepping on a scale and the public model says that I'm overweight, but internally my internal model says that I'm actually in shape. At some point you have to acknowledge that maybe outside forces have a little bit right on what's going on with the team. Uh, But, you know, when I saw that you were going to be one of our guests today, I was super excited to ask you about a specific player. And and this might be a bit of a long-winded question. I'll try to keep it short. But I would consider myself, I guess, a part of like the analytics community or at least I, I put a heavy amount of weight into what analytics say when it comes to hockey and, and, and specific players. But I kind of push back a little bit on the Seth Jones chatter. 
And yeah. it seems like he is one of the most dev- divisive players that we've seen in a number of years now where I test and, and hockey people are saying, hey, he's a stud. Don't worry about it. Just look at him play, right? Yeah. Six, three skates like the wind, all that. Whereas the numbers over the past couple of seasons have said that he's not as effective on ice as he yeah. has been. I just feel like he's a guy that, you know, two seasons ago, I think it was finished fourth in Norris voting. He's got a game. I don't think it's completely disappeared. I'm not going to say he hasn't had a couple of down seasons, but I just think that, you know, as far as potential difference makers and, and somebody that a team could acquire, I'm, yeah. I'm still all in on Seth Jones being, you know, a high end top pair defenseman moving forward. But I'm curious what you might think, knowing that the numbers over the past two seasons specifically have pointed to major, major buyer beware. Yeah. And, and I think that's the the issue. Like, you know, the year that he finished fourth for the Norris Trophy, I wrote a, I wrote a whole column picking him for the Norris Trophy. I thought I thought he was so good. And, and, and you know, and at, at that age, at that time, I thought, well, good. We're not going to give some. Uh, some old defenseman kind of the career award, uh, you know, like they, like they did to Drew Doughty where they just said, Oh, it's his time. We're going <laughs> to name him the best defenseman this year. Like I was like, here you go. Seth Jones, young defenseman, you know, kind of in his prime, make him the, the uh, Norris trophy winner. And he, and he wasn't. Um, but at that time I was really on Seth Jones. And now, um, so the numbers in the past couple of years have definitely uh, thrown the buyer beware. And I would, if, if contracts weren't a thing, I would be totally fine with, yes, go get, go get Seth Jones and, you know, see if you can be, uh, you know, if you have a stronger environment uh, to put him in because Columbus's, you know, overall team in the past couple of years has been a little shaky. Uh, and so if you manage to get Seth Jones and uh, have, have a strong team around him, I, I think there, there's a chance, yes, that Seth Jones could uh, recover his game and put up some good numbers. The, the challenge here is that he's got one year left on his current contract and whoever acquires him, is looking at a massive contract after that. And, and I don't know that I want to be the one to, to bet that. I mean, that that's basically what, what it comes down to is, you know, do you want to bet, you know, seven or eight years at, I don't know, $70 million, $60 million. Like it's going to be something huge um, for Seth Jones. When you know that these past couple of years, the on ice results haven't been great. And, and I, I'd be, I'd be really wary of that um, because if you sign it and it turns out that, Oh yes, yeah, Seth Jones, is just he's in decline and all those all these things you see with your eye test the fact that he's big and can skate and handle the puck and all those things but you know maybe he gives up the blue line too easily or you know he, he doesn't close out his gap quickly enough like there, there could be all kinds of reasons why his uh his overall results aren't aren't what you would like them to be and i don't want to make that bet and and that's so that's kind of where i would be like if it was just to well you're a contender and you want to take a shot with seth jones for a year i i'd have no problem you know, taking that shot, it's, it's all about that next contract that I think um, you have to be really careful because boy, if you, if you, uh, you know, sink in $60 million or, or something in that range for, for Seth Jones, and it turns out that, Oh, I mean, he's probably a second pair defenseman for you. Uh, you know, that's, that's a problem. Uh, and I don't, I don't know how you recover from it. It, it like, th- this is one of those things that, that that's what bad teams do. And they end up, I mean, you look, look at what the San Jose Sharks are dealing with right now. Right. They have all that money tied up in Brent Burns and Eric Carlson and, and Mark Edward Vlasic. And as recently as two years ago, you were like, oh, well, look at all, all the, you know, all the puck moving and playmaking they're getting out of, out of Burns and uh, Carlson and Vlasic is the top defensive guy. And now you've got these three albatross contracts that it's really hard to build a team around that when when you're spending that much money on guys who aren't making uh, a positive difference. And, I, and that's 
you know, that's the concern, I guess, is that do do you want to run the risk that you you sign Seth Jones to one of those kinds of deals and then he ends up playing like that? All great points. I would take the leap. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would still do it. I would. I would. I would risk my job sign Seth Jones to a big deal. I, I and I always lean more towards, I guess, taking home run swings just because yeah. acquiring elite elite high end talent is just so so difficult. So I yes. mean. As a fan, I would be okay if my GM made a move like that because at least the the mindset is, you know what, we're trying to get somebody that's an actual difference maker as opposed to, you know what, let's get a safe, yeah. I don't know, 30-year-old second pair defenseman that's a good player but ultimately not really going to move the needle for us all that much. Yeah, um, that's right. I, I also want to get your thoughts. You know, it's, it's funny because it's a name I, I've kind of forgotten and it shouldn't be the case here in Winnipeg. But do you have any idea whatsoever what Patrick Liney is going to do on the ice next season? Do you, like, do, do we know, is he going to be 40 goal Patrick Liney or is, or is what we've seen over the past couple of seasons, should we just expect at this point that he's going to be, you know, an inconsistent maddening 30 some odd goal scorer. That's going to be an absolute black hole defensively. Yeah. Uh, do I know? Absolutely not. Um, my, my guess is it has to be better than it was last year because, I mean, I, I think he, he was ultimately one of the worst forwards in the league last year. And, and because given, you know, the, the ice time and, and his lack of production and so on. And yes, you can, you know, you can tie some of that to, uh, you know, friction between him and Tortorella and, and you know, that that happens. Uh, but, you know, if you're an elite talent, I mean, and, and this and this is the part that, I don't think necessarily falls on line a is we know what he is. He's a shooter. You need somebody who can get him the puck. And, and that's somebody who can, who can get the puck, you know, through the neutral zone and into the offensive zone where, you know, line a line a is one of the few guys in the league. Who's a long distance scorer, right? There are just, there aren't guys who, who can score from the top of the circles with any kind of consistency and line a can. Um, so my, my thought is Columbus, I mean, Columbus has a, a, difficult offseason going you know not not least of which because of the Seth Jones situation uh but they still need uh to improve their forward group and and come up with something better down the middle of the ice than uh, Jack Roslovic and Max Domi uh and you know if a Seth Jones trade helps facilitate that and gives and gives them another option well I, I you know I might be more optimistic uh than that line a could could bounce back and no, I mean, I, I, I will I will not be expecting 40 goals from line A kind of until we see, you know, a better situation for him. Uh, but I, I could see, um, you know, a 30 goal season. And, and certainly if you're Columbus, you would be happily take a 30 goal season based on, um, you know, based on what you saw from him last year. But it, it's uh, it, it, it's when, when you have a guy who uh, has this kind of very rare skill set, you know, that, that can shoot and score from distance in a way that very few others can it's I think there's a real responsibility on the team to you know put him in a position where he can use that uh and that means you know having playmakers on, on his line and, and giving him the opportunity to use to use kind of his great asset which is his shot and uh I don't think Columbus and you know they just weren't they weren't built for that they didn't have um uh, I mean in some ways if you look at they, they uh they sent Alexander Wenberg he ended up going to Florida but a guy like Alexander Wenberg who for the previous three seasons basically refused to shoot but was passing 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 all the time he might have actually made sense to play with with Patrick Line uh, so that you end up in a game where Line should like the baseline should be that Line gets three shots on goal per game you should be aiming for like five right just give him as many shots as you can because you know he's a home run hitter and 
ultimately you give them enough opportunities, they're going to go in. And, and so I think, yes, there's a whole issue about, you know, what the supporting cast is going to be for him in Columbus. Um, but I, I expect it has to be better than it was this past season. We're speaking with Scott Collin, contributor to The Athletic and McKean's Hockey here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Scott, I know you always have an eye when it comes to fantasy, especially fantasy hockey. Is there a name or two in free agency that you think could have major implications when it comes to drafting your fantasy team ahead of the upcoming season? Is there either a name or a team that you've got your eye on where maybe something might be in the cards that they could either blow up or you know, see, see their impact reduce in a big way next year. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm very obviously Seattle is the team that I'm, I'm kind of find most compelling. Um, uh, just because we saw what Vegas could do that you, you can build a roster uh, that is competitive right out of the gate. Uh, and like Seattle's front office is sharp. Like they, they've got some really smart people uh, involved there, you know, not just Ron Francis, but their whole analytics uh, group there uh, is, is really smart. Uh, and so I would expect that they're going to make some uh, pretty savvy additions uh, coming into the, into the, the season. And, it's, and it may include players who have not had a huge fantasy impact uh, to this point. Uh, and, uh, but if you give them opportunity, right, the, there's a, a real chance. And, I mean, like we talked Mason Appleton. Like if Mason Appleton ends up going to Seattle and, and they decide he's going to be a top six forward and get some power play time, I mean, Mason Appleton could, could have a real – vault in value uh in in terms of fantasy if that's what happens because i I mean a guy like william carlson came from nowhere and now i don't expect anybody that they take is going to be as as dramatic as william carlson going from you know fourth line checker to 43 goal scorer i don't i don't see that happening uh but i do think there are all kinds of guys in the national hockey league who who are you know five minutes of ice time a game away from being, you know, very compelling players when it comes to fantasy. And so, um, you know, that that's like a guy like Jared McCann uh, in Pittsburgh. It looks like he's not going to be protected either. They, they have a real fascinating list of guys who are, who are available for the Penguins. Uh, and, and so if, if Jared McCann, I mean, he had a year this year that was probably unsustainably good, like in terms of percentages were high and, and stuff, but his underlying numbers were also great. Uh, and, uh, and he was driving play. Uh, and basically when Evgeny Malkin got hurt for the Penguins, Jared McCann stepped in as their second line center and they didn't miss a beat. In fact, they, they, they you know, started winning you know, even more uh, with McCann as their second line center. And so if he's available and Seattle gets him and he, and he ends up in a first line role, well, you know, maybe the percentages aren't going to be as lofty as they were this past season, but maybe he's going to play four or five minutes a game more too. Uh, and so that, that would really help, you know, give him future value. So I, um, that, that's the team that I'm kind of most interested in to see how they construct it. Uh, and then, you know, when we move beyond that, it, it, I think uh, the interesting part becomes who are the guys who are going to end up playing uh, around the stars, right? I mean, I heard you talking about Zach Hyman before, before I get on. Well, does he move from, you know, Toronto, does he end up in Edmonton where he gets to play with Connor McDavid? Well, I mean, anybody who gets to play with Connor McDavid gets, you know, a massive bump. That's uh it doesn't always work, but just in terms of perception, you, you don't want to miss the opportunity to play <laughs> uh, to get somebody who's playing, you know, with an all time great like that. And so uh, those are the ones that I'm going to be kind of most interested in is seeing how teams fill out uh, around their uh, their top stars. And just one last one for you here quickly, Scott, you mentioned Hyman. Are you with like, am I missing something? I feel like I'm taking crazy, but I feel like Mugatu in, in Zoolander here, <laughs> six by six or seven by six. It's not that he's not a good player, but my God, like there has to be a limit in, as far as the term 
and oh, the yeah. amount too. Like I, I just don't get, I don't get why NHL GMs are so eager to throw like borderline all-star money at a guy in Zach Hyman, who I think is just a good complimentary piece. Yeah. And that's, I, I mean, we, Darren Dreger had that report uh, the other day about whether it's a seven or eight year deal uh, is what Hyman's expecting. Uh, and I just, I, I don't, fathom how how you would do that for a guy who's going to be 29 years old uh and and plays a physical game like if you look at the history of forwards who uh who play physical game and what happens to them in their early 30s if not sooner uh, i mean the decline is pretty steep uh and so you know to tie yourself to, to hyman until he's like 37 years old is is it's asking for trouble and, and i mean I, I i put out a poll on uh, twitter last night i said who, who's the better unrestricted free agent winger brandon sod or uh, or zach hyman because I'm not hearing any talk about Brandon Saad getting a seven or eight year right. deal. And I, and I think, you know, it's a coin flip uh, between uh, those guys and, and I might even prefer Saad. I mean, he's uh, he's been a consistent play driver throughout his career, uh, multiple 20 goal seasons. Uh, and he doesn't do anything on the power play either. So, so it's not as though his numbers have been padded by, by power play. So I, I, I if whoever, you know, goes out for Zach Hyman, if they go out and they, they give him a seven or eight year deal and it's, you know, over $5 million per uh, boy, uh, that's that's a bet that I would not want to make. I, I would, uh, you know, go go look for uh, Brandon Sod and see if you can get him, at, at, you know, for a five year deal uh, at similar money. Because I just I'm not hearing the same kind now. Maybe that's just because the the Toronto thing is, you know, got a, a megaphone for what's going on with Zach Hyman. But um, it, I, if I was given the choice, I, I might just take Brandon Sod instead. Yeah, or or Thomas Tatar three weeks after free agent <laughs> for a year and a cup, right? I, I think to me that's the bet I want to make instead of seven years. Yeah, Diamond's knees hold it up until then. Scott, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you taking the time. I I know you're right for the Athletic and McKean's, and I think you've got a hundred different podcasts you're on. Um, just yeah, let our listeners know uh, what you got coming up in the works soon. Yeah, well the. Uh... You know the summer writing. I'm I'm doing some stuff for McKean's as we get ready for uh, for next season, and uh, and yeah, the podcast. I'm I'm hosting Locked On Fantasy Hockey and Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Uh, that that's keeping me busy, um, but uh, yeah, it's a fun time. So uh, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed this. Oh, beauty! We'll have to have you on sometime soon, Scott. Enjoy your weekend. For sure. Thanks, man. Scott Cullen, contributor for the Athletic and McKean's Hockey, as well as a number of different items. Always good to chat fantasy and. That was a great hockey talk, too, and we'll have to get into that with Remo here shortly, just about the different names like a Seth Jones and, and some of these other big names that are available for the Winnipeg Jets to take a look at this offseason. Uh, before we get back to Remo, though, just want to mention quickly Assiniboy Downs in action as usual throughout the summer, live racing every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and you can bet online at hpibet.com. Or make a rezzo in the Terrace Dining Room for an evening of live racing, which is always a ton of fun. Uh, latest updates on reopening plans are available at asdowns.com. And Remo will make his $20 worth of picks at some point before we call it quits later today. Um, do want to mention, too, we talked about it. Huss is gone today. He's out Monday. Matt Leibel will be taking over the seat on Monday's show. Uh, but that's because Huss is out there at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. So if you want to, you know, head out to the outdoors and enjoy some fishing and camping and all that, make sure you check out uh, Aikens Lake and Wilderness Lodge as well. Remo, Scott Cullen was on fire today, man. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll throw this at you first. 
are you um, are you on the potential bring Seth Jones to Winnipeg campaign, or is that a guy you want to stay a little bit away from just because of I guess the assets that'll come in, the contract that he's due after that, and then I guess the fact of you know is he is he going to be able to get back to the level that he was a couple of seasons ago? I like Seth Jones, solid player. Had a down year last year, and there were some people in chat saying. Or joking around that, you know, Tortorella broke Seth Jones, broke PLD, <laughs> broke Line A, uh, and now he's not the coach anymore, and he you know, maybe lost his uh, will to play a bit. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but what I do know is Seth Jones is a UFA after this season. Um, he's probably looking for a big deal. He wants to hit the open market. We know free agents not exactly inclined to sign in Winnipeg, although I think maybe Winnipeg should go and try to just open the bank, uh, you know, open the, the checking account, just give a blank check to like a Dougie Hamilton, to, yeah. you know, someone who's a number one, like who's a clear cut number one D give them, you know, try to outbid everyone, put in an effort. And if it doesn't work out, you say, Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, you can't go outside in the summer here. You can't go outside in the winter. I, I can understand why people, uh, don't, don't like it here anymore. As we were looking, what is it going to be like 40 seasons left, man? 40 coming, coming up. But in all seriousness, no, I don't think you, if you're the Jets, you go after Seth Jones just because, um, unless you, it's a, unless you're going and knowing it's going to be a rental, but, um, then maybe you, you, the asking price would probably be less. But I think someone's going to overpay and you don't do that. Although, would you trade like, you know, like a Hanala for him or something for a one year or, I mean, guess wouldn't you know, that wouldn't that be where it would start? Isn't that where where it would start for if you're Columbus and you want to I deal Jones? So. I would imagine. I would imagine their ask would be either Hainala or Perfetti to go along with the first round pick, and then I, I don't know what else or if anything else yeah. would be on top of that. So, the, like the ask would be exorbitant. Um, but like to me, if I make a deal and I'm giving up assets like that, like I'm signing him to a long term deal. I'm not going to risk just having one year of Seth Jones and then maybe my best prospect get thrown out the door for you know just 12 months of even if he is back to the guy that he was a couple of seasons ago um let me know remo if uh what, what the chat's going on about here what the hot topic seems to be but you know i i have no problem going after seth jones but i know i mean maybe everybody's preferred number one candidate has to be dougie hamilton that you mentioned there mm-hmm. right because it might just cost you cap space plus you know nobody wants to come to winnipeg but I would say Winnipeg's museum game, I don't know how many cities can match that. The museum game's strong here, so I don't know, maybe the Jets have a chance. But Dougie would be, I think everyone would agree that Dougie would probably be the uh, the most desirable blue liner to come in, and you just have to give up cap space to get him. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll see. I mean, we know how it goes with the Jets and big free agents. You know, maybe they'll kick the tires. But I just remember Frank Cervalli pointing out, too, that they just have had a tough time. So, you know, trade route. Or maybe you signed a guy who you give him an elevated role that he's seen, like a guy, you know, Jamie Alexiak, and you can say, hey, you're going to be, you know, a second pair D or something. And you can play with, uh, you know, take over the forward role. You can play with Pionk and you have Morrissey DeMello number one. That actually looks, you know, not bad. He's a guy at a more manageable salary. But we do think, I think we do agree that they need to find, you know, like a, a top dog there on D, you know, someone who, who they can, can run the power play. And, you know, play in all situations. And you can put out there at the, when the game's on the line. You know, they haven't had that since, like, a, a Bufflin here. So, I know I know Bufflin comes up, like, every day in the chat. But, I mean, he's mm-hmm. obviously a beloved player, um, unique player. And 
people definitely uh, miss what he, you know, miss seeing what he could do. So I can see why he comes up, but uh, they do need a guy who's the horse who can play that many minutes. Like, is Pionk going to be that guy? Is he going to develop? Because he's also an RFA too. You know, you do need to commit some dollars to him. But they're they definitely need to. I think bring in like at least two D, and then you know maybe trust, um, you know, throw one of your young guys in if it's Stanley. Uh, Hanala or Sandberg, but I mean, I still don't think you can go in expecting to play these three guys. I think you maybe look to deal one of them and try to bring someone in who can help. You know, may, I, I don't know. I don't know where you stand on that. I mean, I, I've told you this before that I think if I had to put money on a new player joining the Jets this year, I would put money on Jamie Alexia. Mm-hmm. We we just heard so many whispers going back to the trade deadline, and you know, for those that don't know, Frank, speaking of Frank Valley. He said that the ask at the deadline was a first-round pick from Dallas for Jamie Alexiak, so that's why I think Chevy balked at making that move, and I think we would all agree that was you know, the right thing to do at the time. But I, I do anticipate, I, I think Jamie Alexiak is going to be the guy playing beside Neil Pionk, and I, I like it. I, I think that's a great fit. The only problem I have with that is just, is Alexiak, Pionk, and Morrissey DeMello good enough? Is that like a good enough top four to go up against a Colorado or a Tampa Bay or whoever it may be. That, that's my only concern is that you, you just have, you know, a, a solid, okay defense that, I mean, it's not really Jamie Alexiak's fault there, but that, that would be my only concern about bringing him in and then still having Morrissey DeMello together. It's just that he's a good player, but I think the jets need to try to find that great player. And then everybody, you know, slots in pretty nicely after that. But I, I don't know. I just don't know how viable that's going to be for the Jets. I actually like Matt Dumba, too, as a potential fit beside Josh Morrissey, but the uh, the old Pseudo-Parise buyouts might have put the kibosh on that one. It looks like Dumba's there to stay in Minnesota. But, I mean, there's a couple other options out there. We'll see if Chevy gets anything done. Um, mentioned, too, earlier, the Open Championship second round is wrapped up there. Louis Oosthuizen is up at the top of the leaderboard, 11-under. Colin Morikawa, two back at 9-under. And then Jordan Spieth in third at eight under. As far as the Canadians on the leaderboard, Mackenzie Hughes, another solid day. He's in uh, just outside the top 10, uh, but at five under par, just six back. And then Corey Connors, four under par. He's uh, seven shots back of Louis Oosthuizen. Remo, is the DeMello Stanley debate started to die down on the chat? Uh, has has the uh, everybody listening moved on to a different target so far? Or are people still fired up? I joked around uh, on Twitter. I don't know if people knew that I was joking. I was like, we're going to spend two hours talking about uh, DeMello versus Stanley. That seems to be the hot topic here. We spent a bit on it. I did put a poll, and now I said um, I said Pierre-Luc Dubois because he came up. I mean, how confident are you that he can bounce back? And it's like, well, what does bounce back mean? Because he was basically, uh, I mean, he's got moved down to the fourth line. I think you traded for him to be a second line center. Like, do you think he can bounce back to be what he was in Columbus? And can he be, you know, be that second line guy for the Jets? You know, most people in chat, you know, as much as we, there was a lot of, um, I guess, hate or, you know, unhappiness with his play in Winnipeg. Uh, I'm trying to bring up the poll, but I think it was like 70% of people are like, yeah, yeah I think this guy can bounce back. And, Again, I think last, so yeah, 75% and 24% among 66 voters. So a lot of people do think, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois can come back. I thought he, you know, the way he spoke, he knew that he could have been better. I think 
I think the whole season again, you know, tough going through uh, the quarantine and the not yeah, seeing anyone. Yeah. So I think uh, I think he will be able to be, and maybe he will even surprise uh, some people. I mean, would I take him, you know, high in a fantasy draft? I'm I'm not so sure, but he maybe could be a pick near the end. Where you're like, you know, what? I'm taking a shot on this guy. I think he could be could be Val. Yeah. No, I I, th- I expect him to have a big year. I mean, the one thing too, more so than anything else, is just that. The dude's in a contract year. So oh, there you go. I, I, don't think, I don't think effort's going to be an issue. Um, I think we see a big, big, big year from Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, in an ideal world, we see him, uh, let's be honest, we see him push Mark Shifley to maybe grab that number one center spot, right? <laughs> Considering the end of the season that Mark Shifley had. But I mean, a good year for PLD is, you know, something as simple as I think 60 points. I think he's more than capable of doing that even without getting first time uh, first line power play minutes. So it's not like the the ask is that extravagant for Pierre-Luc Dubois this year. He's going to be playing with either I imagine uh Nikolai Ehlers or Kyle Connor as one of his wingers, so he's going to have a ton of talent with him. I I think we are going to see a, a big year out of Pierre-Luc Dubois, which is hey, it's why the Jets acquired him and I'll tell you what, if I had to bet on either Dubois or Liney having a bounce back season, I think all of us would probably put our chips towards Pierre-Luc Dubois because I honestly have no idea what the hell to expect from Patrick Laine next year. It's pretty crazy. Scott Cullen touched on it, but like two of his last three seasons, he's arguably been one of the worst forwards in hockey. And it's just it's like his talent level is so insane that it's just one of the more confounding cases, I guess, of a player not reaching their potential because he was earmarked for 50 goals right after his second season. And now he just, I don't know how you can be confident whatsoever that you're going to get a legitimate contributor for your team, wherever he plays next season. Yeah, that's a good uh, question. I guess you have to wait and see, you know, he is an RFA um, Columbus, their depth at center. Not, I mean, they're not really that talented of a team. We'll have to see, you know, how the, obviously they got three first round picks too. So we'll see what they do with that. But we talked about this yesterday with Hustler, Line going to Finland and, you know, trashing Tortorella, saying, you know, they didn't use him properly and he was upset. I mean, one thing, I mean, I'm okay. I kind of, like, I agree with him that they didn't, but I don't really see any accountability from Line in these statements, which... Are you saying, are you saying he's Patrick DeChambeau now? I mean, it's he's coming kind of kind of coming off that way. I think he's a great player, but he come back and he's just saying, "Oh, he's blaming the coaching staff. He's blaming Brian Little a couple years ago." But it seems like he just wants to stand at the top of the circle and smash one tees, which he can do better than anyone in the league. But there isn't. I'm not hearing him say, "You know what? I need to work to get to get better." That's and I think he's done this now twice in a row. I said this yesterday. And I, I think part of him is correct, where maybe they, you know you do need to let him do his thing. You can't just put him in a box and say you become this. But there seems to be no willingness. Like maybe you just, you know, he's like a Phil Kessel type. You just need to like trade him to the Penguins and have him play with Crosby, and <laughs> let Crosby, you know, give him the puck and he scores forty. Um, I don't know. He's just not meant to be a guy to carry a bad team because he can't carry a team. He's just, uh, he'll never be like the top play driver. He's just kind of along for the ride and and smashing one tease on the power play. You know, and, and the funny, my brother actually mentioned this to me, but Brad Larson, who's the coach now in Columbus, that was the assistant coach that line got into with it yes. on the bench, remember? So, like, I, I mean, 
He hates torts. He apparently doesn't get along with Brad Larson all that well either. You can add Paul Maurice to the list. And even going back to Finland, he had some trouble as a junior with one of the coaches there. Yeah, like at some point, I think you got to look in the mirror a little bit, Patrick. And you know what? Maybe some of this is on me. Uh, I, I would love to see him, though, you know, maybe just to, to silence this debate once and for all. Like put him beside a number one center that's a, a playmaker and let's find out what he is. Like, you know, to, just to end this debate once and for all, I, I don't know if we, we see that happen in Columbus, but maybe he gets dealt again. Maybe Arnold Kekalainen is, is just sick of the experiment and wants to get some assets back that he can use right now. But he is, we just haven't heard a lot about him this offseason. And I wonder, I wonder how that whole situation plays out. I mean, the other thing too is if anybody could have complained about being misused these past couple of seasons and, and specifically on the Winnipeg Jets, Nick Ehlers had the best case out of anyone. And we didn't hear a peep from him whatsoever. And maybe that changes if he's not on the first line this upcoming season. But Nick Ehlers, for the most part, put his head down, and he just let his play do the talking. And this past year was his best season yet. I actually agree with that. And it's funny, you know, you hear Ehlers the last couple of years. It's like, Nick, what did you do this summer? I watched every game I had. I watched every right. shift, and I tried to become a better player. And he has no incentive to become better. He's got a six million. He's got six million AAV, six million a year for the next four seasons. So, but all you hear is I'm trying to become better. I'm watching every shift. I'm trying to do. And he took a huge step forward. And unfortunately, this year didn't get rewarded for it in the play t- playing time. Still didn't get first line power play. Um, didn't really get uh, top line minutes. But it was pretty clear he was the most productive forward. And they struggled with him out of the lineup. He came back in against the series versus Edmonton immediately. What did he score the winner? Uh, in that game, if yep. I, I recall. So I agree. I mean, if they want to take a step forward, they need to give him more of his time, put him with uh, with Shifley. I mean, you don't know, look at the, you know, heading into the uh, free agency, like offseason period, it really starts now that the picks are, the protected lists are in tomorrow at, I think, 4 Central. Uh, Monday, they get announced. Wednesday's a draft. And Seattle does have an exclusive window to negotiate with UFAs. But I think the Jets, you know, look at the Jets for forwards, in the top portion, I think they're pretty set, uh, Brandon. Maybe there's one more because you have Shafley, like Shafley, Wheeler, Connor. I guess you know you sorry. You need to replace Stasny. Shafley, yeah. Wheeler, Connor, and then you know Dubois, Ehlers. You know, just using those guys to place it. Those are your top five. You do need one more. You know, top six because you do have Cop. Does Cop slide in there? Is he getting resigned? Uh, Paul Stasny is he getting resigned or are you moving on from him? And that's or using the Stasny money to sign Cop and then bumping someone else up? And are you losing Appleton? And then I think you can kind of figure out your bottom six. Um, Matthew Perot, he's a UFA. He might be on he's gone. You think he's gone? Oh, I, 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 they, they gave him the least glowing recommendation possible at the at the presser with Chevy and and, uh, and Paul Marie. So I, I think that ship is sailed. He also didn't speak at the end of the season. And I thought, you know, I kind of want to hear from Perot what he thought. He was here... He was here for a long time. He was one of the big free agent signings. And then he re-upped. Yeah. And, um, he did know. the Toby. He just said, no, I'm done. And he said, yeah, he did the, to- he did the Toby. Yeah, he just got out of there. And it's too bad because he had a great season. And I know um, yeah. he was on the fourth line all, but he was very productive, stayed healthy. And so I think he could be, but he's not made like $4 million last year. He'd probably make like one or yeah. ma- maybe two on like a one or two year deal. I'm curious what he's going to get. But you got Thompson, I'm, Thompson and Lewis. I'm not... I'm not sure if they're coming back, but but it's like, and then who's in the lineup? Harkins, uh, he's under contract. Tononato, they just signed. He's got a two-way deal. Um, David Gustafson, 
does he get a shot? So there actually is some room for Jets in the middle six forwards, probably probably more so third line, maybe can play the second line. But there is there is some room. But you know, it's funny, I hadn't really thought too much about the four group, but you're gonna what are they gonna do with Stasny? Does he resign in Winnipeg? Well, hey, I I have anointed myself as the unofficial president of the Paul Stasny fan club. So, like, I, I want him back in Winnipeg. I, I think every team could use a guy like Paul Stasny. Mm-hmm. And he's still got game, too. Like, it's not just, you know, you're not paying him for what he did uh, in, in Colorado and in Vegas. Like, he played really well for the Jets last year, and he's a guy that can play down the middle or on the wing. I mean, isn't he a great fit if if your second line was... I don't know, Dubois, whether it's Dubois, Ehlers, or Connor, but let's just say mm-hmm. Dubois, Ehlers, and Stasny. That's a, to me, that's a really, really good second line. And, and then you can find some pieces to, to plug and play in the bottom six. So I, yeah, I definitely go out of my way to make sure Paul Stasny returns. Plus, I can't imagine it's more than a one year deal. Um, it's just that, you know, would he want to go to, I don't know, say a Colorado, for example, uh, maybe a team with a better shot to win the cup? Uh, that that's the the biggest question mark for me, but I think I think we see the Jets take a serious run at him, but I would probably put it at fifty fifty whether or not he he returns next season. If he does leave, though, then like all of a sudden you have a couple of holes you got to fill if you're the Jets, and then well, that's not even to bring into account Coppin the Coppin Appleton situation. Yeah, and I think you know let's say you're looking for a fourth line. Let's say you start with Gustafson and Harkins on your fourth line, and. You know, we didn't mention Christian Veselainen, and he's in the last year of his ELC. I think it's kind of like sink or swim for him. Like, where does he fit? He looked good at times um, in the lineup, so, you know, you give him a look. But the other big question, you know, is this guy the third-line center, Cole Perfetti? Um, he's got to go to – we haven't even touched on him. He's got to go AHL or NHL. He's 19. He can't go to the AHL. I mean, he was – by the end of his AHL, I mean, he started off slow, but by the end, he was rookie of the month. He went to the uh, world championships. I mean, I don't think there's a benefit at this point putting him in the OHL. I think you're kind of stuck and you got to put him in, like, let him go third line center. Let him play like second power play. Ease him in there. I think, or sorry, is Lowry your third or is Lowry your third or second center? Yeah. Perfetti's like wing. Yeah, he might start off at the wing. And I mean, Paul Maurice is usually pretty conservative with uh, with guys like like I imagine he starts mm-hmm. him off at the wing and then he kind of ease him in um, at, at center either yeah. later in the season or next year. But I mean, I, I know that chat's going to light up for the Cole Perfetti as a Winnipeg Jet chatter, right? Like every every Jets fan wants to see Cole Perfetti make the team next year. Yeah. I mean, personally, I leave a spot open for him, and, yeah. and it, whether it's him or a Harkins or a mm-hmm. youngster or maybe a free agent, like. I, 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 there's a part of me that really wants to leave a spot in the top six open and say, Hey, you know what? You had a, you have a pro season under your belt, kid. Show us what you got early on. And, and we saw Cole Caulfield, Cole Caulfield at times was maybe the most impactful forward for Montreal, especially offensively during the lighter part of their Stanley cup run. Like it's just these kids come in, they're just different than they are in the past. Like they're ready to go, even if they're undersized. So I, I have no problem if the Jets want to leave a spot open for a Perfetti or you know whatever whichever one of their young prospects to play a significant role. I, I I'm down with that. And then if you need to fill it, you have the trade deadline to do that. So here's your forwards. You go, you know, Ehler, let's just say Shifley, Connor, Wheeler is your top, and then Ehlers, Dubois, you know, Cop or Perfetti. 
And then you put your third line, Lowry, Veselainen, and Copper Perfetti. And then your fourth line's like Arkins, Gustafson, Tonernato. Like the Jets seem to be, assuming they just lose one, that's assuming they lose Appleton. They actually do seem to be pretty set. Uh, and I see BA split writing in chat. Perfetti is not ready in all capitals. What are you going to do with him? Put him in the OHL? You don't have a choice. He's going to be in the NHL. You saw Cole Caulfield. You might as well give him, you know, his nine games to see. And if you pick someone up, but you got to give him a shot because he's got, you have no options with him. Yeah. I mean, he, he might not be ready. He might, but, he, but you put, I don't know. I don't know. Like we don't, none of us know. Yeah. None of us know if he's ready or not. I, I mean, in all reality, he's probably leaning more towards needing a bit of seasoning before making a huge impact. But mm-hmm. that's why I said, like, leave a spot for him. And then maybe he is ready to go right out of the gate. And on, on top of him, you know, being able to contribute, he's making just what would it be like 900K a mil against the cap mm-hmm. gives you the, the opportunity as well to pay a bunch of money to a bunch of guys to help solidify the blue line. And you need guys on entry level deals making 900,000. If you want to have uh, a solid team, it lets you pay the top guys, get you add some top guys in. So, I mean, I really do think, you know, after going through this, the Jets forwards heading into this upcoming week seem to be very set. You know, maybe they make one, I guess Stasny would be, be the one UFA, you know, that maybe they try to bring back. But it's really on defense where you do need to bring in a couple guys. You need some help. And you were telling me before the start we went on how the Central Division used to be this big powerhouse division. And now with 32 teams, Arizona moving over, Central Division, I mean, the West The West is very weak compared yeah, to, like, to, to the Yeah, like, you just say it, the Central kind of sucks. And so does the West, right? Yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole West. I mean, Pacific Division, you know, we were saying last year that the Central was like the worst division in hockey. Well, I mean, look at the, uh, the Pacific. You yeah. got all the California teams and Arizona. That was last year. So, you know, Vegas and Colorado just beat up on those guys. But this year, you know, you have Seattle coming in there with all the uh, California teams. That's three. And so, and then you have, uh, what, Vancouver. I don't think they're going to be Edmonton. So I think, you know, the Central, I think Pacific's the worst. The Central, though, I mean, you have, okay, Minnesota, kind of a question mark. Uh, They were very good last year, but what's their roster going to look like now that they bought those two guys out? And who are they losing? And then... Ooh, Arizona, not very good. Nashville. Yeah, Arizona's the worst team in the league next year. Yeah, Nashville's rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Are they? Wait, is Nashville? Like, what is Nashville now? They're kind of coming yeah, down. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing with all the teams outside of, like, Colorado is, like, we everyone agrees. They're number one. They're probably going to cruise to a division title next year. Yeah. Arizona's going to be awful. We all know that. All the other teams, though, it's like, you're, you're right. Like, what are they? Nashville is kind of in between right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, their, their decor is solid as always, but they might be moving one of Ellis or Ekholm. And then they're trying to move one of Johansson or Duchesne right now, seeing if Seattle will take the bite on that. But even then, Nashville, I don't think Nashville scares anyone, even though they're a solid team. St. Louis is, they're just not the same team that won the Stanley Cup two years ago. Um, Minnesota, you're right. Minnesota could be... Maybe a dark horse to to be a, a really really competitive team, but they have they have a, a number of different additions they need to make. Um, I think, and then Chicago. Chicago is the other one. I, I don't know if Chicago's there just yet. You know, with their young guys, they might be another season away from from maybe putting a big scare mm-hmm. into a lot of teams. 
But I don't know, man. This looks like a really, really good opportunity for the Jets to make some noise this year, right? I, I mean, not, yeah. not challenge Colorado for the division, but to me, if the Jets just make some solid moves and improve the blue line, I think second spot is, is right there for the taking. And hey, you get home ice in the first round, you don't know what happens in round two, even if Colorado's waiting. Maybe they get injured again. I mean, they've kind of got this mental block, not being able to get past the second round a couple seasons in a row. I, I just, it, it does set up nicely here for the Jets who want to, who want to win now, who want to contend that, hey, they got a bit lucky with the draw here that the Central Division is is probably an easier route for them this time around than the Canadian Division was this past year. Yeah, I'm not sure. If, I don't know if it was that much easier, but Mitch says you were underrating the Central, but I'm not so sure. I don't see, I see Colorado and then I see yeah. everyone else and it'll be like, it's like flip a coin, roll dice. How are these teams going to land? And obviously we don't know what moves. There's going to be a lot of moves to be made. But as of now, I mean, I see it being competitive, but like I don't see any of these teams being, you know, head and shoulders above the rest other than Colorado. So I think there's a bit of a mishmash. And that's kind of like what it was last year in the Central or in the Canadian division where it was, okay, How what's going to happen here? Who has any idea? I mean, Colorado, not Colorado, Edmonton, Calgary, you know, Vancouver had a good year two years ago, Toronto. I think people had Toronto here. And yeah. then after that, it was, all right, what's going to happen? And, you know, yeah. the, Jet, the Jets had second wrapped up for a while, but then they uh, totally tanked in that, uh, in that uh, second oh, half. Did, did they? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? That losing streak? Yeah. The old seven-game losing streak. Yeah, that was, that was the, yeah, not, not the best harbinger going into the postseason. Um, you know, we're, we're almost ready to call it quits here. My laptop is about to call it quits, too. Oh, you're not plugged well, in? Uh, no, because Dude. I was gonna. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this or not. But you can swear. Um, we, yeah. we we allowed swearing. We're on YouTube. There's no rules. Okay. Uh, you do whatever well, you want. I'll, I'll just throw a, a a cod damn apple here. But their chargers and everything are like two feet in length. So I'm I'm too far away from the outlet to actually plug it in. I'll, I'll get through the next couple of minutes here. We're good. But I just I have no I have no time for Apple and their god awful chargers. So. Um, you you yeah. got to get, uh, get a cord, man. You don't have a cord? Extension cord? I don't I don't have time for extension cords. What? Oh. I got so many here. I, I could have well, said this up. Yeah, that, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, I guess we gotta, we're going to talk about the weekend. Are you pumped for the release of Space Jam, the new Space Jam? I was going to ask you that because <laughs> you were talking to me about Space Jam earlier. What's the tomatoes, the Rotten Tomatoes score again? Yeah, the Rotten the to- I always look at Rotten Tomatoes and some movie executives will say... Rotten Tomatoes, it's ruining, it's ruining movies. People just look at the tomato score and then they don't see it if it's under 50%. They got that big splat. But Space Jam, uh, LeBron James, Don Cheadle. I know Zendaya is Lola Bunny, big fan of the show. Um, Oh, what's that show? The kids, they party and do drugs. Oh, Euphoria, great show on uh, HBO. Have you seen it? (laughs) No, no, no. <laughs> it's so good. It's about uh, kids and they're just like doing the, you know, you've seen like high school shows. This is like high school shows to the next level in terms of like uh, the partying and the drug use and all, all that. But uh, Space Jam, 35% on the tomato meter, but the audience score is 67. I mean, it's not stopping me. I'm going to check this out. I want to see LeBron James uh, hoop it up against, uh, I don't know if it's the Monstars. I think it's the Toon Squad versus the Goon Squad. I don't want to. I don't want to give any spoilers here for Space Jam, but it yeah. is. But uh, I did see some real ballers are in it. Are in the movie. Um, well, Dave Lillard is one of the guys, right? I, yeah. I know 
there's I mean, there's a few other all stars for sure. You know, uh, I was thinking about this because you and me were basically the same age, if not the same age. Yeah. And like we grew up with the OG Space Jam with Michael Jordan. Um, and I think a lot of people like in our age are just going to hate the new one just because it's not the old one. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. It's, it's different. So people are going to automatically hate it. But as much as I love the old Space Jam, like it, it really wasn't a good movie. You know what I mean? Like what? As, like, well, no, like it, I enjoy it and I'll watch it anytime it's on. But like mm-hmm. objectively, it's not a great movie. Right. Like the premise is ridiculous and all that. So I, I just I feel like people are going to hate on the new Space Jam just because it, I guess it goes the same way people hate on LeBron just because he's, you know, going after Michael Jordan and all that. Um, but again, the movie's not designed for us, right? Like it's designed for the new generation of kids. So they have a Space yeah. Jam that they can work with. Yeah, I think my uh, one of my friends who has a son who's around five said he tried to show the, you know, the original Space Jam to his son and he... It didn't go over. Maybe it's too dated and stuff. And, you know, you don't know, you know, you're not familiar with Michael Jordan. I think people know LeBron. Um, some of the players in it, Anthony Davis, Dame Lillard, Clay Thompson. And they got a couple, uh, I think Diana Taurasi's in there. Oh, nice. Uh, so they have some female uh, ballers as well. So I'm going to tune in. I'm going to watch it. I will uh, make my wife watch it with me. So <laughs> I'm okay to sit there and watch a uh, watch a movie that I don't have to see, like, you know, Academy Award winning movie every time I watch a movie. I did watch um, the other day on Netflix, uh, Good on Paper. Have you heard of this one? Eliza no, Schlesinger. No. She's a stand-up comedian. Okay, yeah. Was, wasn't great, but we didn't, we didn't try. We're like, okay, we'll watch a bit of it. And, uh, you know, you do this on Netflix. Yeah, we'll start it. And then you want, we'll stop halfway. We'll finish it tomorrow. We ended up finishing the whole thing. So how bad could it have been? But it will, I, I did get entertainment out of that one. That was, but it wasn't like... I don't think it was amazing, but we you think you're going to like be able to shut these movies off and you can. That's why TV, you know, they it gives you a good starting point. You don't have to create one uh, on your own. And I prefer I'm more of a TV guy than a movie guy. Yeah. Yeah. If, if we're doing Netflix recommendations, I, I watched this yesterday. Um, yeah. But Heist, it's um, is that, I, I guess. Is that Ben Stiller? Oh, no, no. It's yeah. It's like, a, I, I don't know, a documentary, I guess. Oh, but it, it details um three of the biggest heists of all time so it's like real life stories one of them um a 21 year old girl and her boyfriend robbed a, a brinks truck in vegas for like five million dollars or something like that and it just like it details how they get into how the, how the heists were planned out and stuff like that so heist movies are always my jam um I, i'm always down for something right. like that. So sorry if you like that, no, sorry go ahead i was getting it confused with the movie tower heist Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> That's what isn't that with uh, Ben Stiller yeah. and Eddie Murphy? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. thought you were saying Tower Heist, not the same. <laughs> That's got to be a thirty-six on Rotten Tomatoes. There's I think no- I, I think I had it on for like fifteen minutes and then uh, oh. shut that one off. Oh man, yeah. I mean, I'll I think I'll watch Space Jam too. Uh, I I don't have super high hopes for it, but I feel like mm-hmm. if you're around our age, you got to give it a shot, right? Yeah, of course. I'm so in. I mean, I watched the, uh, you know, the Friends reunion a couple weeks ago, so I'm here for 90s reboots. Yeah, Friends, that was an Insta watch, so I'll be on, uh, I'll be on Space Jam. I'll see if I can win. Uh, I'm that's what I'm suggesting. 
And people are saying, isn't it a kids movie? Yes, it's a it's a kids movie, of course. But it's you know Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny, all the fun stuff. So I am looking forward to watching it though. Beauty. Well, I mean, yeah. other than that, Remo, is that is that just the big plan mm. for the weekend for you and the wife? I, I mean, it's perfect too because we basically have mm. to stay indoors to avoid a hundred plus degree weather outside. But is there anything else on tap other than Space Jam Two? Yeah, welcome uh, to Winnipeg. You can't go outside in the winter or in the summer now. Uh, 35 high tomorrow and Sunday. That, that's hot. So I, I don't know. Like if it's, what's it going to be in the morning? Like I'd like to get, okay, in the morning, you know, 25 to 27. I could get out to um the zoo at some point. I want to see the dinosaur thing again. I went with my son. He's two, loves, oh, loves dinosaurs, lo- loves it. So I'd love to do that at some point. And I maybe have some uh, some gatherings because they're changing the rules. You pumped? That's you got right. pe- you got people what? coming inside your house or what? No, no, I don't want anybody inside my house. Um, that that might be more mess related than COVID related because I I mean my my little one's seven months now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like it's yeah, it's survival every day. Every like every minute of every day is just pure survival. So I I don't think I want anybody to see inside. I'm actually I my plan is to head to uh, the beer can. Um, oh, there you go. And I got to mention uh, quickly here, but on my podcast, Skates in Place, today's episode, um, Good Neighbor Brewing Company. We 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 speak with a uh, a member of the food community here in Winnipeg and the province as well. And I uh, spoke with uh, Morgan and Amber of Good Neighbor Brewing Company. So they're doing a great thing. Uh, a ton of community involvement as well with their company. Um, but my plan is to head down to the beer can. A ton of pop-up beer places there, mm-hmm. and Good Neighbor Brewing is one of them. So I think even with the heat, I'm going to head down there, grab a couple of pints, and and pretty much just take it from there. Yeah, I hope to get some uh, little brown jugs in at some point. I mean, I can have uh, 25 people in my backyard now. There you go, little 19. You got your ready. ready I'm ready to post, go, baby. For a post-show uh, bevy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I'll have to get out at some point. Although it is hot, so I will be coming inside as well. I can actually, you know, go in a friend's house, limit five people max. Well, either way, let's have a, a virtual cold one uh, sometime soon. We'll make that happen. Oh, yeah. there we go. Well, virtual. We can meet in person. We can go on patios now. I guess so. Yeah. Well, yeah. What the hell? I, either way, let's make sure we have a, a drink or two this weekend and, and celebrate what has been actually a successful show. I didn't screw up that badly. And we managed to get this one uh, plugged out there all right. So hopefully Hustler's proud and, and hopefully everybody mm-hmm. in the chat and everybody listening enjoyed today's episode because I had a ton of fun, man. This was awesome. Yeah, people didn't leave. We've had people here all the whole time. We've been talking Stanley, uh, you know, DeMello expansion draft. We're going to have uh, the list out, I think, Monday. So Monday it's going to be Libel in uh, the seat. And Mike McIntyre is going to join us. We will know about the Jets. Maybe we'll have some more clarity. So I am looking forward to that, so stay tuned to the Winnipeg Sports Talk uh, social media, Sports Talk WPG. Hit the like button on this video. Hit the subscribe button as well. Hey, we're closing in on 5K subs. Uh, We're very close. We're almost at 4550. So we can get there, yeah. Make sure you hit the red subscribe button. Hit the like button. It does help us on that YouTube algorithm. It'll recommend our video more likely. So when you're hitting that like button, the thumbs up, it is helping the channel grow so we appreciate uh, everyone and I, I see everyone in chat brandon crushed it says owen welcome back anytime and brando with a solid satisfactory performance says rob 
Nicole J says, great show. Thanks, guys. Great job, Brandon. Jeff Kabilis, he says, great job. That was fun. And Leighton Janice says, tell your friends, tell your family, go Jets. So a lot of people still here. We haven't scared everyone off. Uh, and uh, I appreciate the love. I, that, I'm gonna, that might be the best compliment I've ever gotten. Yeah. Nobody left while I was on. So that I, I, I appreciate that. And, and satisfactory. I've heard satisfactory about me before, too. So I know it was solidly love. satisfactory. Oh, That's even better. Oh, That's even better. My apologies. Um, yeah. But yeah, this was a ton of fun, man. And I mean, I, yeah, you don't have to convince me to come on. Um, and I was speaking with Huss a little earlier. And maybe I'll uh, hop on sometime during free agency. Yeah. And hey, maybe we can talk about what Dougie Hamilton is going to look like as a Winnipeg Jet sometime soon. <laughs> I'd be down for that episode. Uh, we'll just like Photoshop Jet jerseys on uh, <laughs> free agents and see what they look like. I think, or just take their head and put them on another person's body. It's it'll probably be easier. Whoever looks the most natural, that's who the Winnipeg Jets are going to get. Oh. Um, uh, one more thing there, Remo, from the chat? No, no, I think, I think we're kind of winding it, uh, winding it down here. I guess we can look at one quick look at the cool bet lines. Do you want right. to look at, at cool bet? We didn't give them a, a shout out here. Let me just fire these up. The basketball, yeah. you know, we thought the basketball was going to be, uh, no, they, they need, they need five days off between games in, in basketball. Remember? I never got that with basketball where it's like, uh, hold on. Where is, where's the thing? Yeah, they've uh, Suns and Bucks game five is tomorrow night, actually. Um, but that's always bothered me, even with hockey, too, honestly. Like, at this point, don't you just want to get it over? Like, just play every other day? That, yeah. that's, that's what I would like to Like, this is just dragging on way too long. Yeah, with so you. it's back to Phoenix. They just renamed their arena, I'm pretty sure. A minus three and a half favorite. So they're a favorite. We'll see what the, you know, what the refing is like. And uh, <laughs> I know the Blue Jays back in action tonight. Robbie Ray on the mound. And they are minus 270 favorites over Texas. So uh, as the Blue Jays push, we're heading towards the trade deadline. So uh, watch out for them. And we do have the fantasy golf uh, contest running on DraftKings. I know a lot of people in chat entered, including T. Conopoli. I'm like not doing well. No, not doing well. But um, <laughs> who's in first? Someone in, let's see if someone's here. Go Jets, Bombers. Oh, I think Dustin Nielsen's in second. Hammerball's in third. Uh, C Platt eighty seven. I've seen him around. Johnny J is fourth. So I do see some other, some a lot of familiar names. I know see Arizona Mitch Mitch in chat. He's twelfth. Uh, There's uh, Tico Pauly's in thirteenth. There you go. He's he's been pretty active today. So a lot of familiar names. So and we will be doing CFL fantasy, and I'm so hyped for that. Uh, we do have well, the that's your jam. You're the CFL fantasy expert. Yeah. There we go. Countdown. <laughs> there it is. I haven't been using the screen a lot. <laughs> Countdown to the bomber season opener. 20 days, 4 hours, 31 minutes. Full crowd. Yeah, you know what? DB, Darren Bombing, said this on Twitter, and I kind of laughed when he first put it out there, but he might be right. The home opener might be the event of the year in Winnipeg, right? Like, you're talking about the first chance to have a major, major event with fans in the stands there. It's going to be outside. I'm, I'm so jacked for that. Um, but finally, we we might even have a banner raising ceremony there too. So it very well may be, mm-hmm. even with the Jets' regular season opener, Bombers' home opener might be the event of the year. Yeah, I think you might be right. I know a lot of people are going out, so we will wait and wait and see. Uh, you know, as more details come out about that, but we are fired up for that. But you know, Brandon, we're approaching three o'clock. We've been delaying this uh, this finish. People are slowly leaving as we start rambling. 
Uh, <laughs> let's get the weekend. Uh, let's get the weekend started. Hey, crack those LBJs and uh, enjoy the nice weather, right? Crack the LBJs. So we'll give a shout out quickly to all the family of sponsors here with Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Little Brown Jug, uh, Royal Sports, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Not Auto Court, Breezy Bend, Assiniboy Downs, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, as well as Cool Bed Canada. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. Thanks for the kind words, too. I really appreciate it. Uh, but like Michael Remus said, make sure you subscribe and like to help out the channel. It does a lot of great work, so we appreciate that. Um, and, and again, a big uh, thank you to Michael Remus for setting this up and, and helping me get through this together. Um, but that's it. That's the episode here. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe and be cool out there. And uh, we'll be back on Monday with Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Matt Leibel is going to be hosting the show. And then Andrew Hustler-Patterson returns on Tuesday. Enjoy the weekend, Remo. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. And we'll talk to you guys on Monday. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.